The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. Glad y'all can be with us this morning. We are here live. I say that because that's a question asked a lot. Y'all can't mm-hmm. be there. That is not live. It's all. It's really taped. Yeah. <laughs> it is taped, but no. we're here live, right? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Uh, I'm going to say I'm Beta with Palladio. She is. And I'm going to say I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers. And I'm going to say they are. <laughs> <laughs> Love him. So far, so good. <laughs> and I'm Jim Crowder, uh, retired nurseryman and administrator of our Facebook group, Ben South Gardening, U- um, USDA Zone 6, 7, and 8. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, even I we messed it up, even up even a thousand times. <laughs> so, Jim, what's been going on on the uh, Facebook page? I mean, because every... Like I said, you've hijacked my phone, so every time I get on there, that's all I see, which I love. Don't get me wrong. I'm just giving you grief. But what's been going on in this week in the... Um, I mean, the questions and the post and so forth. Well, a lot of questions about what to do as we approach winter. Um, mm. And we've got, you know, pretting questions. Uh, we had Rose Rosette pop up its nasty head again this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, uh, you know, it's just, just that a poke time of, of Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, one of the things I had a, a lady, I was talking to a young lady the other day at work. And we all go through this this time of year. You know, we've got our bedding plants that we put out there in the spring. You know, they've been beautiful spring and summer, and now we're into fall. And this is when they look <laughs> their absolute best. And she was like, you know, I don't want to pull these things up yet mm-hmm. to go in there and put in my fall color. And I'm like, well, you got to make it a choice at yeah. some point, okay? Because if you wait another month to pull them up, and of course, like I said, they look great right mm-hmm. now, y- you can still plant pansies and violas yeah. and ornamental cabbage and kale and all that, but you just won't have quite the selection then that you've got now. So you may I said, as well just go with a mixed selection. So if you can live with that, that's perfectly fine. So, you know, that's always one of the dilemmas this time of year is, man, I hate to pull that stuff up. Right. It looks so good. You know, just, it's just keep in mind that our first frost is probably just two to three weeks away. Was it November 15th, Jim? Is that well, yeah, but I mean, it's been as early as, you know, Halloween or so, mm-hmm. so. You just um, even before be Halloween one time because I I just thought of you know the Peanuts gang frost on the pumpkins. That's how I remember one time it frosted before Halloween. But that just you know it, it's just it's tough around here. I'm telling is. you. Well, also normally some of our color would have been looking a little tired. We would have been cooler in the day, so it might have been a little easier to remove. But everything's just growing like we're in the middle or beginning of summer, you know, nice. Yeah. So we were just kidding. We were just joking last Saturday when we said happy fall, y'all. Yeah. What's, uh, the, what's the high today? 80? I saw yesterday 88. Saw, yeah. And then I think this morning it's dropped it down to 84. But I'm like, you know, they keep changing this weather on us. I mean, we think it's hard on the plants around right. here. What about us? I know, right? And just who do you think is changing the weather on us? We are. The weathermen. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're yes. changing the forecast, okay? Go. They're not changing it's the weather way. itself. Okay. <laughs> but we still get um, a little edgy or in a hurry because it really is fall for the Mid-South. The nights are cool. Oh, it's been beautiful. I'm seeing um, fall colors starting up this week. Last Sunday... 
it seemed like fall for sure because mm. it was kind of cloudy and misty and it looked like fall moved right in. And uh, now this week we went back to summer, but the nights are still cooler. And like you said, the weather's making us insane because, you know, houseplants don't like so much to go below 50, but they can do 45 depending on what they are. But they're covered inside a pavilion still set up and they're doing you know of course fine i didn't want to bring them in because you know give look it, you want to give them as long the as you can weeks. yeah so um i'm still hanging on with not bringing them in well no, it, i haven't brought anything in yet the only thing that has looked a little stressed uh is a couple of crotons yeah and they mm-hmm. really don't like wind and cold mm-hmm. temperatures and yeah. you know we got down to around 42 or so at the house so oh, they're uh yeah. They're not dead, but, mm-hmm. you know. Isn't that, isn't that amazing how everything could do perfectly fine, you know, with the weather we've had up to now, including, you know, houseplants, of course. But there's one, like crotons, like you said, that thing just won't put up with it, Mm-mm. you know. You know, crotons are, are beautiful, and we always tend to think about them only at fall, but they're nice year-round. But also, if they get overly dry, they don't do a wilt. They just drop their leaves. Yeah, if you, they just throw their leaves yeah. right off. Or if they get a draft, they'll drop their leaves. Yeah, I remember one time, many many years ago, uh, it was my brother's anniversary or something, and I took him a beautiful croton I'd picked up at nights when back mm-hmm. when they were alive. Oh, so you can tell how long this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so he uh, he thought it was so pretty. He sat it outside the next night, you know, mm-hmm. and it got down really cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he dropped every leaf on it. <laughs> Now, what, you know, we've been talking about this since like every Saturday morning for the last two months. It's still dry out there also. Oh, man, it's critically dry. I mean, it's, it, you know, we think about it. In the last two months, mm-hmm. we've had a couple of rains. And we had that little thing we had the other day was just a misting on the, which is eight one hundredths yeah. of a <laughs> right. So that's, that's nothing. <laughs> yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we basically have had a couple of rains. So, you know, and, you know, we want to bring it up because we want people to be aware mm-hmm. That guys, I'm telling you, it is still bone bone dry out there. Think, um, I think people may be even waiting, not wanting to plant because they're already having to water the existing landscape so much. So mm-hmm. why add more to water more? Well, you think? I don't know. I mean, it's because there again, you know, the cooler nights and the cooler mornings, even the cooler days. Mm-hmm. I mean, like yesterday, it, it, you know, not a cloud in the sky. Yeah, it, it was a little warm, but you had the breeze, and it just felt different. It felt great, mm-hmm. to be it honest did, with you. It did. So, I mean, and that gets people excited. So, I mean, I'm with you. I'm in the fall mode. There's no doubt about it. That's why when I picked up my phone and saw 88 degrees today, mm-hmm. well, remember a month ago, 88 would have been blissful. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, it all depends on just the way we look at it. I, know. I looked, I thought I might have had my phone set on my son's weather in Florida. I was looking, I'm going, wait, that must be Florida. But then I think, you know. It wasn't, it was here. Yeah, and then I looked again this morning, I think it's like 84. I don't take 84 every day Uh of the week, you know. Yeah, I know we're talking the weather to death. So But but it just all depends on how you look at it, it's my point. It's true, because um, yesterday I was like, ah, it's not fall. And then I thought, "Mm, the weather's beautiful. And I I was like, why are you complaining? The weather's gorgeous, so let's just keep gardening and be thankful for the nice weather. So two things to think, you know, take off this is one is, like we've said every Saturday morning, it seems like for the last six months, don't put the water hose up just yet, and don't cut the irrigation system off just yet. That's one, because it is bone dry. 
two is, like Jim was saying, don't wait too long before mm-hmm. you get out there and start pulling that spring and summer stuff up, whether it's in your beds or whether it's in your containers. Because right now is the perfect time mm-hmm. to start getting that fall color back in there. Well, we even get um, kind of stuck in the we winterize uh, fountains. You know, go in, take all the water out, clean it, make sure it's all dry, and then use a uh, tarp that's made to go over the fountains. But with the weather like this, we're wanting to run them as much as, you know, more, longer. But then, like Jim says, you know, right around the corner, something's... And so we'll be trying to winterize like of 50 course. fountains yes. in three days or something. So we can't cut. We're having trouble planning ahead. Yeah, well, this is the first year that I've ever been ready to take in the plants. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Usually it's panic mode. Right. But now you're ready. It always this is. Year I am ready. <laughs> well, we had one of our dirt, dirt buddies, uh, Miss Jan Farmer. Uh, she texted in and said, good morning, dirt buddies. It's going to be a fabulous fall day even if it's going to be a little warmer and i have to agree right. with her well jan wait a minute you usually text me first before you put it all out there on that on in public and i didn't get a text from you jan mm-hmm. what does mm-hmm. that tell you thank you jan fine then <laughs> all right bert duddies dirt buddies i can't say the word either two words together bert dirty yeah but they know what we're talking about though, jan. <laughs> or do they if you're new to the show i am saying Dirt Buddies, which is what Mr. Paul coined, isn't it? Yeah, it That's is. That's the first time I heard it from Mr. Paul. He's come up with a lot of good little sayings. He always does. We love mm-hmm. him to death. And we love Jan, too. But if you want to give us a call this morning, it's easy. 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. You can also, like Jan did, shoot us a text on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Guarding. All right, guys, we'll be back in just a second after these messages. Call 901-260-5926. You don't have to be on air. You can leave a question with Philip. Uh, you can post a question on Facebook Live. Yeah. And uh, you can do like the Mighty 990 app. Get us that way really quickly. Absolutely. So a lot of different ways to listen to us this morning. Guys, I've got to uh, I got to bring this up because mm-hmm. I hope this doesn't happen a lot, but I bet it happens probably more than we think. Mm-hmm. Um. Talking to a customer, and believe it or not, she came in looking for old-fashioned Malathon. Oh, really? Yeah. And and so, you know, this is one of the old-timers that have used Malathon forever, Mm -hmm. and that's their choice of insecticide. And I have no problem with that. Good product. Great product. But the problem is, I got to talking to her, and I said, well, you know, what are we trying to kill? And, you know, remember, this stuff has a, you know, a very foul odor. Uh, (laughs) It just comes with it, right? (laughs) She's been using Malathion 50 in the house to kill roaches. And I'm like, hang on, let's <laughs> let's take a time out for a second. So just because an insecticide will kill a roach or any other type of bug doesn't mean that we can bring that thing indoors and mm-hmm. spread it around the baseboards or wherever, you know, you want to use it. Uh, it that is a big time no-no. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, I got to talking to her, and I was like, and she said, well, I've done it for a long time. And I said, well, you know, I can't tell you not what to do. Yeah. But I can tell you that that's not a good idea. Uh, It's just, you know, there are reasons why some insecticides we only use outside. Mm -hmm. There's some, you know, that we can use indoors. Uh, And, you know, we went over all that. So, you know, she didn't get it, of course. 
Uh, she actually wound up getting a indoor outdoor permethrin. Mm-hmm. You know, that's very benign. I mean, you can. It's got a label <laughs> that you can use it indoors. Right, right. Uh, but I was just scratching my head, like, my lord! I wonder how mm-hmm. often, and you know, how yeah. much of this is going on. And I'm telling you, she had been using this stuff. She said, "Well, I'd leave the house for about a day." I'd air everything out, and yeah, I could mm. still smell it when uh-huh. I got back, but I'm like, w- w- where did this start? Right. Where did you get that idea? Yeah. I mean, I so why would anybody label. anybody use a product that's not labeled in, for indoor use mm-hmm. and use it indoor? I mean, because, yeah, I know you're trying to kill the bug, but you're not trying to kill yourself. Yeah. I wouldn't I know think. that was, yeah. So she, well, at least... Very least, she aired the house out. Well, and that, so that's, that's, whew, that's lady, but thing. that was the other thing I was thinking. Out of all the insecticides out there, malathion, mm-hmm. the oh, one that, that the strongest one. Well, the one, well, the odor, 50? the one that smells absolutely <laughs> probably the worst on the market. <laughs> now, well, no, it's not as bad well, as maybe orphine, but yeah, yeah, still, orphine's worse. <laughs> Jim, but, <laughs> it smells like a dead cat. <laughs> well, that's a nice way to put yeah. it too. <laughs> But I was like, and I, and I told her, I said, look, honestly, I, I can't tell you not to do this, but I'm recommending that you don't do this. In fact, you know, it's, we recommend people, when you get a product, to actually read the label and understand what you got in your hand. Know how to mix it. You know, two ounces is great. Well, 10 ounces must be better, right? Yeah. No, none of that stuff. And especially bringing some of these products that are for outdoor use only and using these things inside in your living environment. Uh, I was well, you know, it, that that's the wrong thing to do. But, you know, it could have been worse. Malathion only has a half-life of about 24 to 48 hours. So, I mean, it... The residual is not... It is almost none. That's the reason it was used so much in mosquito sprays, mm-hmm. you know, in the <clears throat> trucks that go around town. That's what they used to use. Um, but it's um, it's really not a good idea. Well, <laughs> and like you said, Jim... Yeah, it's not the worst, but it's surely not the best way to go about it. And, you You know, know. things like permethrin will have a much longer half-life. That's what I told her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can, you know, it's actually, you know, recommended for indoor and outdoor use. And there's so many other products that are ready to use, you know, home pest controls and so forth that are for indoor use. Yeah, give you five and six months control on some of these. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I scratched my head. I just, out of all the things, I was like, my Lord. I mean, once you open the bottle, it's hard enough to use that stuff outside. <laughs> she was intense. She really hated those roaches. But, but Veda, she had said she'd been doing it for years. Yeah. You know, and that's Aww. what threw me off. So anyway, guys, we're just saying if you've got a product on the shelf and it says it will kill ants or whatever, make sure that you're using it properly. And like, just because you can use it outside does not mean that you can bring mm-hmm. that stuff and use it indoors. So keep that in mind while you're mixing up right. your We your have chemicals. a label for a reason. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Aveda? Uh, yeah. And, you know, also I've seen or uh, heard people not reading the label because they didn't realize that you pull it and open it mm-hmm. and it accordions out into a whole booklet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know. You know? <laughs> and, I, and I get it. You know, most people don't want to sit there and read all that fine print. Well, but I get it, too. Directions? We're supposed to read directions? Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> but, if you, but if you know, insecticides, fungicides, herbicides, I mean, they're all the same as far as you know, the little instruction booklet that's taped to the back of the bottle. It's a dissertation. It it is, Jim. That's That's exactly what it is. But I'm I'm telling you, it's good to know that, uh, you know, what you're using, why you're using it, and especially how much to use. And I know we'll forget, I was talking to a gentleman who's deceased now, 
And he used to do a lot of landscaping I here. Was, but, right. This wasn't recently. No, yes, no. He has to say, I'm like beginning it, to worry about Kenneth. Same, same. <laughs> really good guy, honestly. And, uh, but he was, he, he didn't want to read any labels. Let me put it that way. So every time he'd come in there and say, Kenny, I need something to kill these weeds. Well, I'd get a bottle of, let's say in this case, broadleaf weed killer. Okay. And I promise you, he'd look at me and say, okay, so I just dump some of this down in this sprayer, add the water, and off I go. And I said, you don't never want to use the word dump when you're <laughs> talking about mixing a product, okay? Because that means you haven't read anything. So it, it happens. I promise you it does. You haven't read anything. No. So be sure to read the directions and understand what you're using before you actually go out there and use it. I promise it makes a big difference because... We've seen a lot of dead plants, and you know a lot of strange things have happened if you don't do it. Um, and then we a lot, of course, we see people using the wrong product for the wrong reasons, also. So keep that in mind, guys. It doesn't take but a minute just to read that label and understand. Ooh, yeah. Let's wake up to roaches. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else? What else? What other bugs? I'm not seeing many bugs now. Insects. See a lot bugs. of kudzu bugs for some reason. Um, that little almost beetle looking yeah. thing yeah. that no, we've had several um ID requests this week mm-hmm. on kudzu mm-hmm. bugs. No, but not on kudzu, of course. Yeah. No, I was no, say, no it's well, are they doing course. their job? Yeah. yeah. Most mostly perennials. Um so it's hmm. weird. Yeah. What does that mean? I always see a few in what fall, but you know, this this year, I mean there was a picture, I think it was Cosmos, but I'm not hundred percent sure. I don't remember now. But it was uh, it was just loaded with them, you know, grouped like grape clusters, mm-hmm. you know, at each oh. axis of the plant. So. so you don't have to have kudzu around to have kudzu bugs, well, I guess. Well, probably not, no. Because I mean, there's not a whole lot of kudzu here in the, you know, the, the well, city. Well, you don't have to get very far out of town before you can, well, even in Bartlett, there's a, a, an embankment or a, a drainage ditch that runs through by Brother Industries that is mm-hmm. just loaded with kudzu and that's exactly what's good about kudzu if there Mm -hmm. is a good thing about kudzu right Mm -hmm. was keeping the bank from washing away Mm -hmm. i know what a shame because there are kudzu fields there's been people that's run off the road before and been stuck in kudzu for days when they couldn't see the car if you find them that's that was the bit that was the thing they were lucky they were found well kudzu just takes over (laughs) and then the you know the other bug that i'm seeing a lot of lately and people have been bringing me samples uh is of course lace bug on azaleas and we've talked about this before especially this time of year uh and it's like a lot of other things if you're having a fungal problem or an insect problem a lot of times yeah you got the problem yeah spray to fix the problem but also underlying problems on why you have it Mm -hmm. you know why do i have lace bug on my azaleas well something's wrong i mean they're either too dry which is usually what they are they're getting way too much sun Undernourished. Uh, undernourished. They need to be fed once, you know, in five <laughs> years. Um, so not only do you need to go out there and spray to kill the lace bug, in this case I'd use a systemic insecticide, but also make sure you feed these azaleas really good next year. Make sure you hydrate them the way they should be. Get these azaleas as healthy as they possibly can be. And I'm telling you, you probably won't have any lace bug the following year. So it's not just by chance that you're getting these, <laughs> you know, these insect problems. Something like lace bug, and a lot of people have been bringing in samples. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen a lot of powdery mildew this year, of course, on everything, but per- particularly this late in the season, we're seeing it on Japanese maples. 
a considerable amount, which just proves that you don't have to have moisture you for do powdery not. mildew right. to take hold because it ain't been terribly right. wet. No, <laughs> not lately. You're right. See, so. like years, years, years ago, I'd read something about powdery mildew will happen on plants that are underwatered also if the mm-hmm. temperatures and everything are correct. And I thought, well, that's strange because forever... I thought it was just cool, wet night. And it is mostly weather-generated, mm-hmm. but... There are again, stress-generated, too. Well, that's what I'm saying. But yeah. why do you sit on that Japanese maple and not all of them? It's one of the reasons is it's it may be too dry. Mm-hmm. It Many of them are still stressed from the flash freeze last year. Yeah. So uh, you're seeing they're just more susceptible to issues. So uh, yeah, we are. Gonna, but this late in the season, no one do anything. I it's just, more yeah. superficial yeah. than it is detrimental. I let the leaves drop, rake them out when it's done, and then next year, if you begin to see the least bit of sign, mm-hmm. then start your spray program. Yeah. Right, and which is true on a lot of different things that you see on foliage this time of year, like you know, like the anthracnose on a hydrangea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like the way it looks, but I'm not really worried about it this late in the year yeah. because those leaves are fixing to fall off anyway. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. and then. Which brings me around to where I'm a proponent of not cleaning your garden up or, or just leaving leaf litter and things like that. But in that case, with the hydrangea and the thracnose, you would have to remove the well, leaves. Well, I mean, it may help you? some, but that disease is everywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's sitting on all of the plants around your hydrangeas. Uh-huh. Okay, it's just it's on the barks, it's on the ground. So, I mean, if you remove all the leaves and got it absolutely 100% spotless from hydrangea leaves. It still doesn't improve your chance of not having it last year. It's going to make you feel better, though, Jim. Well, good. (laughs) Then do it. You come over to my house and do some more. We'll be right back. (laughs) Are we here? That sounded bizarre. (laughs) Almost like Christmas music. Sounded like aliens. But good morning to you, Miss Veda and Mr. Morning. Jim. You want to give us a call this morning, 901 260 5926. 901 260 5926. And of course, you can shoot us a text on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, uh, Mid South Gardening. Kenneth wasn't going to have it listening to the radio. <laughs> Did this sound like, I mean, when I first put it on, I was like, is that Christmas music? Okay. I was like, Philip, what is he doing? Christmas. But we did have one no. of our dirt buddies uh, from McDonald's call. You know, the guys mm-hmm. that meet up every uh, Saturday morning at McDonald's and said that uh, they were all listening to the show. So we really, really appreciate it, guys. If you have any Yay, questions, give hello. us a call. That's Thank right. Thank you. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. I wrote down well, in my notes. So what do you, sure, so eat what? a couple of Egg McMuffins right now. <laughs> you, know? you could. <laughs> Well, here, have my almond joy, because sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. Uh, I wrote in my notes last night uh, that, and and Jim just showed me a picture of this this beautiful stand of azaleas, you know, some George Tabers, Formosas, or whatever it was, Jim, and even some Encore stuck in there. And I I don't know. I wrote this down. And I said, I'm beginning to like Encore Zayas. Are you? Now, why? They I am. And because, when you know, when Encores first came on the market many, many, many years ago, it just seemed mm-hmm. weird that you'd Agreed. have an Azalea that bloomed more than one time. I agree. But then again, that's that's what we're always wanting is more and more and more bloom, right? So I don't know why. And then it also, you know, an Azalea that blooms in the summer, I was mm-hmm. like, eh, that's, that doesn't really sound like an Azalea because... We're all so old-fashioned, and you know we're yeah. so used to the azaleas blooming that one beautiful time in the spring, and we move along, right? And then on some of the encores, it seems like early on, 
you know, the foliage just wasn't as deep green, Jim, and Veda, as, as some of the other azaleas. But I'm telling you, man, the more I get around these encores and get around these mm-hmm. blooms, and there's a be- and they're blooming beautifully well this fall. Uh, I'm kind of changing my uh-huh. my stance on with encore azaleas, and there's so many on the market now. Well, with all those different colors, I mean, what there's 25 or 30 varieties mm-hmm. on the market, yeah. uh, and you know, all these beautiful colors, they all get different sizes. So I'm I'm, I'm really. I yeah. like them. I like them now. I have but to say Jim that. Jim just showed a picture. Are they yours? It, no, this is a friend who was a longtime customer out at uh, Dan West on Highway 64. Uh, when they built their house, they came in and, and we put uh, George Gerbing, uh, I mean, Gigi uh, Gerbing and some George Tabers against it. And their house is uh, it's down at the bottom of a hill, and you have to go up like 25 steps to get to their front door. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So they've got huge walls there, you know, that needed to be covered. Mm-hmm. Well, these encore, or these um, southern indicas that we put in now, mm-hmm. now, they've been trimmed a time or two. In fact, you trimmed them. I was going to say, are we talking about? This is, this is the, the list. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, they're, they're 15 feet plus now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're huge. And these, Azaleas don't get that big. Well, these do, and and these encores that are in front of them that were supposed to be five feet tall are over twelve. Okay, yeah. I was out there this week to pick up a couple of plants she was uh-huh. giving me, and it was it's just amazing how big these things get. And that's the one thing you want mm-hmm. to do when you look at the label on an encore: disregard the size when you're in Memphis because <laughs> right. they get bigger. You know, they have upped their heights on the tags over the years. They used to have, you know, a four foot was about the max, right, you right, know, right. but now, you know, they have six and seven feet on some of them and they're, they're learning because they apparently did not test these encores everywhere. Right. Uh, and right. here they get much, much larger than the tags. They do because on the uh, property they had planted the, um, the color azaleas that you have, that the, the purple, the purple. Mm-hmm. and um, when I went out there and and I was like, when when were these planted? It was years ago when they first came out, but they're taller than me. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, I didn't know what I didn't know there was any that big. But think about when I'm looking around, the only two colors of the encores I ever noticed standing out are the the um, orange ones mm-hmm. and then the uh, purples or pinks. I don't ever see any white encores or oh, yeah. the light pink encores just showing its thing. Oh, yeah, though. But, I mean, and I mean, there are so many different colors out there uh-huh. now. Bi-colors, you yeah. know, blended colors, you know, the orangey reds, the pure reds, uh, pure white. I mean, there's three mm-hmm. or four white ones. Uh, and, you know, when I'm looking at an encore azalea, uh, other than the color of the bloom, that's the first thing that I'm going to look for, of course, the color that I like. But then I'm also going to look, like you're talking about, Jim, at the height. And you're saying if you see someone that gets lay up to four foot, well, you might have figured it's going to get maybe up to five foot. Or six. Or six or foot. Six. So, like, in the south where we are, mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, it's not uncommon for some of these plants to get a little taller than what they say well, yeah. <laughs> on the label. There are a couple, too, that I think are less hardy than... Um, the bulk of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had not had good success with Monarch or with Starlight. Okay. And, uh, they seem to be more susceptible <gasps> to winter damage. You know, they were bred with a Korean species that blooms in the fall, and that's how they have gotten this 
late blooming. You know, we've always had fall blooming yeah, azaleas. Right. They most just marketed the, yeah, them. Yeah, you know, most of the satsukis would bloom in the fall again. Uh, fashion would bloom in the mm-hmm. fall again. So uh, we've always had some repeat bloomers, but these, by being bred with uh, one that normally blooms in, in late summer, that's opened up a whole new possibility with, with them. So it's... Uh, they're, I think they're great plants. The main thing people m- make a mistake with them is they see azalea and they think shade. You're right. And you're, it's you're not mind. right with that. I mean, this apparently this um, fall southern, or I mean, uh, species that blooms late in the summer likes sun. Mm-hmm. So you got to get them out in five or six hours of sun. Yeah. And don't be surprised if it takes two or maybe even three years for them to cycle to get correct that, bloom that, on them. that really what you're looking for right. jim mm-hmm. uh, but like you said i mean these take more sun than shade in fact they have to have more sun than shade to get the bloom that you're looking for because they do bloom in the spring a beautiful bloom in the spring to me kind of a sporadic bloom mm-hmm. you know in the summer time. and then another mm-hmm. good beautiful bloom in the fall fall it, is when i notice them the absolute most they, and yeah. that's why I wrote this down last night. I said, I'm beginning to really like these Encore Azaleas. And, I, you know, and I can't really put a finger on why I just initially didn't like them. I well, mean, because it didn't seem like you should call it an Azalea because it didn't do its big flesh of blooming early spring. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this is a whole nother plant. It blooms three times a year. How can that be an Azalea? And it doesn't flush at the same time. I think I have bigger blooms, but less blooms on some. Well, as times progress, now they have them with bigger blooms. Oh, absolutely they do. Yeah. I mean, there's small blooms, there's bloom in a bloom, and then there's some that mm-hmm. have the massive bloom, just like regular azaleas do. So, you know, if you're looking for an evergreen shrub, guys, that, that blooms more than one time, and it is an azalea. And of course, Memphis is the azalea capital of the world, if you ask me. Uh, don't forget about those encores. And I also see people starting to use them in containers. Yeah. And there's um, some other series too, the the uh, Bloomathons. Bloomathons, those. I was out at uh, 64 the other day to see them. my son, and uh, they had some Bloomathons that were spectacular in full. They just blooming. haven't had the advertising behind it like Encores have. Right. They do exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when Encores first came out, that 18 wheeler that carried stuff from Flowerwood. It had Encore all down the side of the yeah, truck. Yeah, and it mm-hmm. said, let me see your bloomers. Mm hmm. Is that what Got it was? It, Let yes. me see your bloomers, or yeah, something like that. So that's it. That's the whole uh, advertising thing. Sorry, I'm talking about chocolate. But also, you know, and I'll get off this. Also, with uh, any azalea, whether it's an encore, whether it's an old fashioned azalea, a good drainage, and we say this on everything we basically put in the ground around here, is you got to have good drainage. Uh, so you dig the hole, you know, just as deep, twice as wide, amend the soil. Uh, just like you would any other azalea that you put in the ground. But like Jim was saying, the only difference is they bloom more than one time. They definitely need more sun than shade. Now, that doesn't mean they have to have full sun. Mm-hmm. The perfect spot, I think, where you can put them is where they get great morning sun and some of that afternoon sun, but protected from the hottest part of the day. They'll still grow mm-hmm. in the hottest part of the day, but that's where I typically see the foliage maybe not as just is deep yeah, green. Yeah, and it's, the heat's reflecting off the wall also. Yeah. So, it's, so yeah, I agree. I do see them struggle more in the afternoon sun, uh, reflecting off a wall for sure. I know. Y'all, get some encores. Yeah. Because they're, they're like the prettiest, deepest, richest, most showy thing in the garden center and right now. And dig up all of your knockout roses and replace them with encores. <laughs> encore. <laughs> You'll have to expound on that, Jim. Yes. <laughs> Okay, let's go to another break. 
We want you to give us a call. We want to know what's going on in your garden. Give us a call at 901-260-5926. You're listening to KWAM. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Glad you can join us this morning. You're listening to KWAM. If you want to give us a call, 901-260-5926, or you can shoot us a text on the Mighty 990 Facebook page. And we had Mr. Jerry call in from McDonald's, the uh, buddies that all get together every Saturday morning, and said, when is the best time to trim Encore Zayas, Miss Veda? Well, I'm saying after they bloom. Yeah. Jerry. Well, okay, narrow it down <laughs> a tad. See, I can't go wrong with that answer. Yeah. So well, anyway. okay, the best time is after the initial bloom in the spring, okay, and up till about July 1, you know, but encores typically should not be sheared. You should reach to the inside of them and remove the longest canes as low as you possibly can, and then those will re-sprout and replace the ones that you cut, and usually they'll bloom by fall. So it's it's not a, a shear thing. Now, I'm not saying you can't shear it. If I want to make it into like a beach ball. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. And Kenneth would. <laughs> but <laughs> nothing you know, looks more normal unusual. people don't do that. <laughs> so, Jim, so really the best time is in the spring after they bloom. After that first flush of bloom. And yeah. just reach in there, take a, take a few. Don't cut the whole thing back. Now, you can knock the tips out of them to yeah. make them sprout more and get a little thicker if you want to. Yeah. But, you know, just take the, some of the longest canes out, and that will help fill it up and make it look prettier. Now, I remember reading, you know, a year or so ago, especially with the Encore Zay, is that you, you've got to make sure you keep these things hydrated also uh, because they're blooming more than one time. And if you don't keep these Encores hydrated, you're just not going to get that bud formation that you typically would get, which means you're not going to get as many blooms. So it's not one of those things where when it starts to get hot and dry in the summertime, that you can just ignore. It'll live, you know, probably if you never water the thing. Uh, well, never say never, though, right, Jim? Uh, but if you don't keep these things hydrated, they're not going to produce those uh, those buds uh, like they normally would if you would. So keep that in mind, too. Now, if there is sometime a need to cut them back hard, in fact, this customer that we were talking about a little while ago has these encores that are 12 feet tall. Uh, I mean, in, so they're going to need to go way back next spring. Yeah. And so they're, you know, they've got these southern indicas behind it that are going to need to be cut seriously back. So, I mean, we're talking about taking a, a 15-foot mm-hmm. um, southern indica and taking it back down to around six feet. And well, it's going to look scary because when we did that, it looks like that we just trashed them. Right. But it, but they're fine. That's right. Yeah. But what about, you know, the old adage where they say, you know, try not to cut back more than one third at one time. I mean, is that, yeah. I mean, is that still a, a rule that we go by for well, the most part? For the health of the plant, that's probably good. Yeah. N- you know, particularly on an evergreen, not removing more than a third of the, the food producing tissue. Gotcha. Um, you know, however, in this case, they're going to need to go back farther. And that doesn't mean you may not leave some stems on it. I got you. you. In fact, I never like to, on any plant, remove all the foliage. Right, okay? right. I yeah. want to leave some. Even, you know, I've taken big hollies back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a couple in front of the old house that we used to live in that they cut. They were 12-foot uh, Burfords. And Just they too big. Cut them back to, to a stump that yeah. was three feet tall. Yeah. And a couple of them didn't come back out. 
I mean, you know. Yeah. So you, I don't want to remove all the food producing tissue. Leave mm-hmm. some on it, let it re-sprout, and then you can go back mm-hmm. and take out that other, right. you know, up till about yeah. July 1. Right, exactly, because we would prune in stages depending on what time right. of year it was mm-hmm. when we were pruning. Because a lot of times you can look at azaleas and you can see the really big bulk of it and then just take the big limbs down into it. Mm-hmm. And that's like a third <laughs> You know, taking off that way and then later chopping them down in half. But like if you don't do that every single year, like one time to get everything in order and then check, it's not such a a bad thing to do. Well, but also if you're cutting them back a little bit every year through the year, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not having to wait till this thing gets 12 foot tall and say, ooh, I only want that thing six foot tall. Yeah, and Uh, then do it right. Yeah, so I mean, and we see it and people do go in there and cut them down, you know, their desired height. And then some people say, well... They're just too big. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want them that big. I'd rather cut them down to the desired height that I want. And if they really don't perform well after I do that, I'll dig them up and get rid mm-hmm. of them. But at least I'm going to cut them back and give them the chance to flush back out. Yeah, so you can see the house, get the mold off the house. Yeah, and a lot of times <laughs> get we get the light in the windows. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> you better, know, when you're going to paint the house, you got no choice usually sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But but the general rule of thumb typically is ideally no more than one third at one time, even though I've been guilty and gone in there and cut stuff way back, knowing that I'm cutting it way mm-hmm. back more than I should. And typically they flush right back out and they're fine. Yeah. yeah so I was we were talking earlier about zones and with the tag says three feet here in the south, maybe it's going to get four or five feet. And so one thing I was thinking about is like um, when you see that something thing grows all the way up to zones say it grows from three to zone seven mm-hmm. so or five to zone seven when it's in the colder zone you can pretty much figure it, it's going to stay tag size mm-hmm. right and so when it goes up to seven or eight zone eight or ten then you're thinking mm, it might get much bigger because we're warmer long yeah and a lot of that has yeah. to do with the soil type too Mm, um, you know, as much as people detest our clay, it actually is pretty good stuff. Because I mean, look, you're looking at encores getting twelve feet tall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you know, and I use the example is we had we had a landscape um, designer from Dallas come up and speak to the fern, uh, no, to the Hort Society many many years ago, um, and she uh, she couldn't get over the size of our live of our uh, water oaks. Mm-hmm. Down where she's from in Dallas, they never get over about forty feet tall, you know. And we got these trees that are a hundred plus. But their their climate's basically the same as ours. It's pretty but the close to the is, same. And the whole lot of difference in the soil. I know it's so bizarre. When wow. We lived in Texas for a number of years. <clears throat> My son was like <clears throat> when we moved there three, and we went to Tennessee when we were about four. He was about four, and the first thing he said was, wow, the trees are so tall here. Mm-hmm. And he was only like four or five years old to notice how huge of a difference that the tree height was in Texas versus in Tennessee, mm-hmm. especially Dallas, mm-hmm. because it seems so similar to here. Is it because, Jim, their sandy loam just doesn't hold the nutrients like well, I mean, it's got to be more than that. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with how, how deep the roots can penetrate, and they they apparently do it a lot deeper there. What I've been told, of course, you know, I've never lived there, but yeah, I got you. Um, is that the root zone is pretty much totally under the tree limbs? Gotcha. Where here we figure it's average two and a half times the width of the tree limbs. Mm-hmm. 
So we're getting much more horizontal root growth at the surface, which means more nitrogen for the plant from Uh, the rain. Uh, And and that's the only thing that I can think of. It makes sense. It definitely makes sense. We we (coughs) definitely in Central Texas area use twice (coughs) as much soil amendments there than here because of what you said, Jim. It was more clay and the roots never went out as far. So when I moved back to Tennessee, to Memphis, my thought process on mending the soil was adding more amendments than needed because Tennessee, our area soil was actually better mm-hmm. than the central Texas soil. Well, you know, my good friend, and y'all know him also, uh, Tim, uh, who's a teacher over at Harding Academy. He came in and work yesterday, and he said, I got a question for Jim, something y'all can talk about. And he was talking about soil chemistry mm-hmm. and how... You know, yes, we where we live here in the mid south, we our our soil is mostly clay, like Jim just said, which can be a good thing in a, in a lot of cases. But he was like, as far as soil chemistry goes, you know, typically when we dig a tree or a hole for a tree or a shrub, you know, we're digging the hole just as deep, twice as wide. Then we're adding amendments to our clay soil, and like you've said before, Jim, we're just trying to give those roots an easy path to grow out and to become somewhat established before all that organic matter breaks down mm-hmm. a couple, two or three years, and we're back to clay again, right? Mm-hmm. But you're giving those roots an initial path to spread out. But he's thinking, okay, if that's the case, then what about like in the forest, you know, in the soil that's never disturbed? All this organic matter is falling out of the trees, the leaves and so forth. They break down. But if you go out there, there's still only three or four inches of compost at the top and clay up under that. Mm-hmm. You the know? trees are just eating all the compost, so it never gets higher and higher and higher. Yeah, so, yeah. But, but you go down in the delta where you've mm-hmm. got all that silt from, you know, a million years of the Mississippi River, you can dig down to your knees and still find good, rich, great soil. Um, so, you know, what is the, the key behind, you know, soil chemistry as far as adding compost? Because the compost is going to break down, right, mm-hmm. and just go, go away. away. Um, so is it just that really all we need to think about is when we're planting is to amend the soil, add that good compost in there for the initial root growth, mm-hmm. and then use compost like Veda loves to always say on the top dress. We'll be right back. You're listening to KWAM. The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome to the second hour of Mid-South Gardening. You can give us a call, 901-260-5926. I'm Veda with Palladio. Yeah, and I'm Kenneth with Damas Garden Centers. And I'm Jim Crowder. With? With Kenneth and Veda. Ah. (laughs) But, Jim, you yes. got a pretty cool Facebook page going on, too, I'm telling you. Thank you, man. Um, if y'all haven't seen the uh, video I posted, my niece lives in Colorado, and she sent me a video from the National Weather Service that shows t- tumbleweed in a neighborhood. Never seen that before. That, where you cannot see the houses. <laughs> I know, tumbleweed's intense. I lived there for a little while, and one of the good little country western songs that you listened to was... Tumbleweed. Uh-huh. Well, that's a real Little, thing. They really had songs about tumbleweed. Jim just showed me the video of this tumbleweed in front of the, it's like mm-hmm. it's like oh, down a street and probably you know every house down the street is like a catcher's mitt 
right. of this tumbleweed. So you asked Jim, how do you get rid of it? And Jim said, blow it back. push it to the side of the house and let it blow back. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, uh, you, couldn't, you couldn't even see the front of the houses on some of these uh-huh. where the tumbleweed had just so high, piled you know, up. Just so piled then the, I, made the, I made the comment to Jim that I won't feel too bad raking <laughs> the leaves up today. No, right? <laughs> At least I don't have that problem. Isn't tumbleweed cool, though? Good I Lord. think people <clears throat> collect tumbleweed and, and spray it or something to make it not go away so fast and use it as art in the home. Mm. I have seen that before. I mean, would it, it's, it's just, and I hate to sound crazy, but would it, I mean, I know what tumbleweed is. It's a weed that blows around in the wind. Most, mostly jimson weed. That's what we see the is most that what it of. Is? Okay. Yeah. That was my question. There are a number of plants that do that. But the most familiar one is is jimson weed, which is you know very toxic. But so so it gets larger out west, and it and it dies back. Mm-hmm. But how does it come separated? When when the seed becomes mature, then the plant actually becomes um, breaks off at the base, <laughs> and it's an, it's nature's way of spreading the seed. So it then it starts tumbling, you know. I wonder how pre-emergence work against that. Well, I, you know, I, I would I think they would control it. Wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. But, you know, out there, you can't put pre-emergent all over the state. Yeah, there was one yeah. lady. That, you get One yeah. lady said she was driving her little sports car, and she was passed by one that was bigger than her car. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one problem that we don't have to worry about. Like I said, I won't feel too bad out there getting the leaves up today. Mm-hmm. And speaking of getting the leaves up, I'm not going to rake my leaves. I've always said I'm going to get my lawnmower out. It's got the bag. There's a mulching mower. Grind these things up. And I'm not throwing them in a bag and setting them on the curb either. I'm taking them back there. I've got two beds, a, be- a back bed where I had that mimosa tree. Mm-hmm. And I've got a story about that later on uh, this morning. Not the mimosa tree, but that bed. And then I've got a side bed that's got some azaleas in it. Uh, I'm just going to use these ground-up leaves in those beds. Mm-hmm. And um, you mean like mulch it? Yeah, I mean, and I can always come back if I want to and put a little mulch even on mm-hmm. top of that. But I want those leaves to break down. And, you know, it, that's going to be my just homemade compost yeah. I'm putting in the beds. It's free fertilizer. Yeah. Because it'll be good and broke down by next spring. Yeah, well, enough for me. Close enough, yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. surely not going to hurt anything, especially if you grind them up into small pieces. That's the way I like using them. Now, do you have to grind up, uh, you know, dried up leaves? No, you can just use them as is. But I still think they break down a lot faster if they're in smaller pieces. And then while I was walking up my drive, I've told you I hated this tulip poplar forever, right? And I was walking up my driveway last night after work, and I stopped and looked at that dang tree. And, you know, most trees, some trees in the fall have beautiful fall color. Mm-hmm. You know, there are oranges and reds and yellows and everything else out there. This thing is just, you know, it's either going to be a green leaf. Some of the leaves have turned yellow with some brown edges all the way around it. Every leaf that's on the ground is just brown. I mean, this thing has no fall interest whatsoever. You're going to have to talk nicer about your tree because it's going <laughs> to fall on your house. It will. It will. <laughs> I know it because I've talked bad about this thing for 20-something years. But, I mean, I'm like, at least if I had a tree in the front yard that had beautiful fall color, I could probably, you know, get by yeah. with it a little better. Yeah. This thing, just it's just old brown leaves. Before they fall down, there's still brown leaves hanging up in the tree. Yeah. So that's what I feel about my tulip popper anyway. Uh, I'm seeing the crepe myrtles are doing their change. Uh, I'm seeing they're quicker. Slowly but surely. We were talking about that mm-hmm. last week, how we never think about a crepe myrtle for fall color. But there's I'm seeing purples and some oranges. 
And uh, I'm, I like crepe myrtles more and more when you get that because you've got the beautiful blooms in the spring. You're going to get the great or summer and you're going to get the great fall color. And then the seed heads are great for birds. Um, and you can bark, tree form them. Yeah, the, the, it's got great winter interest. Too, because of the way the bark looks, cinnamony or molted. And, it, 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 you know, that, it's, that exfoliating bark is when the mm-hmm. bark just starts to shuck off the trunk of the tree. And I've had more people this year want to know what is going on with their crepe myrtle. And all it was is the bark was exfoliating from the trunk. And I'm thinking, hold on, do we see more of that after a cold yeah, winter? right, right. Or do we see that just when crepe myrtles are just really getting to a certain age? I felt like this year it was more. <laughs> Me too. That's my yeah, point. Right. And that's my favorite. One of the things I love to do is peel that bark off the crepe myrtles or slough it off. If you could peel it, then it's not ready to come off. But, um, yeah. But, I, like but I had a lot of people bringing in pictures of Veda Jim. They, and it was just natural. The, the bark was just shucking off. And they're like, you know, what is going on with this thing? Did the winter do this? Is it dying? Should I cut it down? And I was like, no. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it, they create, some crepe myrtles do it more than others. I get that. Uh, but it was just the bark was just shucking off the trunk, exfoliating bark. And a lot of times what's left eventually is that really smooth bone look, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the trunk itself. A, kind of a cinnamon color. Yeah. Right, Jim. Uh, yeah. So, But I don't, I don't know why I saw more of that this year, it seems like, than I have in years past. And I don't know if the winter, like you said, Veda, might probably have something to do with that. But yeah, it was all good. So. It wasn't hurting anything. Right. So far, our crepe marbles are making it fine. It doesn't look like we've had any. Well, I still have seen some that. Well, the ones I've seen that have died this year have been struggling for the past three years with the up and down of the winters, the ones that got hit. But in whole, they all look great. They're fine. Yeah. And Jim, you were saying that we probably have pretty good fall color this year because the way the weather so far uh, has set up as far as the moisture and everything. Now, if it stays as dry as it is now, does it, it won't last as long. It won't. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the perfect conditions are, you know, cool days, cooler nights, which we're getting some of that, and, and drought. You know, and and the the warmer the day, the the more sugars get caught in the in the leaves. Um, but it's it's awfully dry. You know, even the, the dogwoods. There's some dogwoods in my neighborhood that are close to leaf drop. Yeah. Wow, I mean, they're they're deep deep reddish purple. Uh, but the intensity's not there that normally there is. Is there any rain in the forecast? I haven't even looked at that. Next Thursday, uh, Friday. Yeah, and, it, and it's not a great chance. It's another week or so. Yeah. yeah. This is getting a little long, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hmm. For the last two months, like I talked about. I don't like that. Maybe <laughs> like I, said, I just, just miss those rainy days. Uh, I just like those long. You know what I don't like is when you wake up and it's all cloudy and and kind of cool and rainy, and you get all set for the rainy day, and then 1 o'clock the sun comes out and it's humid and yuck. Your whole day just changes instantly. Well, I mean, even Bermuda grass uh, is so dry, you know, you can can see the lawns that haven't been watered. They're they're actually starting to go dormant, which is okay. I mean, it's just their way of kind of protecting themselves. Uh, But I'm with Jim. I'm, you know, as far as the beautiful fall color, uh, you know, a lot of people, they can't wait till fall to see that. In fact, some people travel you know, up mm-hmm. to the Smokies and everywhere else to see that beautiful fall color. But around here, I think it's setting up to be a pretty good year, like Jim was saying last weekend, especially if we start getting a little bit of rain in here yeah. to where it's just not so dry. I like, as much as I talk about not having your lawn, 
because like it's probably a good thing not to have so much. But the one thing that I did like the look of in the wintertime was how pretty and golden like Bermuda lines would look. Just clean and golden, like a like a nice feel that's been manicured. I like that look. See, I like just the opposite of that look. I like that green, uh-huh. lush-looking well, lawn, like look you know, too. during the growing season. I like that look, too. But see, it gives you a different texture of brown. And the Bermuda But does. clearly, Jim doesn't like either one of uh-huh. those, because I think at his old house, especially, I don't know if he had, did you have one blade of grass? Oh, yeah. I had, I had in fact, I had royal zoysia in the cutting garden. I had uh, palisade zoysia over in the shadier areas. Like I had a, some El Toro in the front yard. Like a 10 foot by 10 foot area. Yeah, well, no, it's a little bigger than that. And then, <laughs> and then there was, you know, there was some Bermuda, you know, which okay. is, I, which I really dislike. Yeah. yeah. But you did have a little bit of grass. I had a little bit because Carol said there would be. No, I understand. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> I do like those little patches of green here and there. Let's go to another break. We'd like to hear what you like in your yard or give us a call and ask us any gardening question. We'll be glad to answer for you. 901 260 5926. Welcome back, gardeners. You're listening to the Mid South Garden with Beta, <laughs> Kenneth, and Jim. Two six zero five nine two six. Post a question on Facebook Live. Also, yeah, Mid South Gardening um, Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> Mid South Gardening. USDA of gyms, zone. But but on our Facebook, yeah. if you want to shoot us a text, it's just uh, oh, Mid South uh, Gardening. Yeah, yeah. ninety nine ninety Facebook right. page. <laughs> now that y'all are thoroughly confused, I saw a video of a. Um, Praying mantis eating a spotted lanternfly. No, you did not. Yeah, I did. Not here in the Mid-South. No, 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 no. No, okay. it wasn't a video here. Just watching science and insects and stuff like that. And that praying mantis loved that spotted lanternfly. So, you know, they're like everything else. You know, we try to keep these bad diseases and these bad bugs out of the Mid-South. And we know eventually, you know, we wind up getting it, it seems like. We can hold it off for a long time, but it seems like invariably we always get it. You mean like the insects have Memphis, Tennessee on their itinerary? Well, no. I, I just think as, as things move across the Carolinas and the All Virginias. All start in Washington, and then they move. That, the exactly, Jim. And then when it gets to the West Coast, uh-huh. it's really nutty out there. I mean, that's <laughs> right. their thought process and everything. Everything. But usually everything that's migrating from, especially from the East Coast, uh, you know, by the time it gets to Nashville, you can just bet that it's just a matter of time before we get whatever they're having as far as, you know, an outbreak of a disease or an insect. But let's say the spotted lanternfly like you're talking about. You know, we haven't seen but just a few around here in Shelby County. But in some places, they're out there by the millions. So it was not going to be hard for a praying mantis to go out there and just grab one of these, you know, these lanternflies, right? No, you don't think about that the praying mantis can eat things that big. But then also, there's big praying mantis. There's oh, colorful ones, too, not oh, here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the how orchid praying mantis yeah. is just spectacular. It's like, how can that possibly be? And why do insects, are all they so mm. colorful, the warmer zones we get? They're so colorful. And here they're all brown and green and black. Majority, but you know, well, I mean, why most of the foliage around here is brown or green or black. Well, that you would know. make sense. You know, you get to the tropics, yeah. you have a lot more flowers. So that's why we're getting the more colorful mm-hmm. insects. The camouflage and everything else. Oh, and I got yeah, well, that makes me think of the fish. They're all brown and 
black here too because our water's muddy and brown and black. <laughs> I need y'all's opinion. Okay. Uh, I had a young lady come in from uh, Gatlin, Dyersburg. Gatlinburg, Dyersburg, one of those. <laughs> those are so different. similar. Yeah, I know, but she came, anyway, she came into the store and she had a, um, a bald cypress uh, in like a paper mm. cup. Uh, planted and the site. This cypress is about uh, it's about eighteen twenty four inches tall. Okay, so it's a seedling is all it is, and of course it had been watered and is sitting down in this plastic bag. And she wanted to know if we wanted to buy some from her and sell them. Okay, and I was like, well, you know, most people around here anyway, unless you have a you know a lake or a pond or you live by a river, uh, you don't just see a lot of these being planted. Um, she's like, well, here, just keep it as a souvenir. And I'm thinking, you know, okay, remember I told y'all where the mimosa tree used to be in my backyard in a back corner bed. Um, and the mimosa tree is now gone because it got blown down this year like so many other trees did with all the storms that we've had. And I was thinking, you know, what if I did plant a bald cypress back there? Because I've always loved mm-hmm. the way they look, even the dawn redwoods mm-hmm. that Jim, yeah. you talk about. Um, so, you know, and then I'm already, okay, if I put it back there in this bed, it stays a little moist back there. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, all right, if I put this thing back there, I'm, I know I'm going to love it for the first 20 years because it's still a nice-looking, manageable tree. Yeah. But I know eventually how big this thing's going to get, right? But it is back up against the woods. So it's not like I'm going to have this bald cypress out there in the middle of nowhere, and that's all you're going to have. Mm-hmm. i got this whole woods backdrop behind this tree. So what is y'all's give and take on should I put a bald cypress back there in that bed, which I already have a seedling of, or should forget it and go get another mimosa tree next spring? I'd plant it. You would? I would. What about the knees? Well, if the soil is dry, you're not going <clears> to <throat> get a whole lot of knees, and they'll usually be two or three inches tall. And I can That's always get it. in there and cut those out if I see them, yeah. Jim. If it's a real wet yeah. spot, you'll get more knees because they are trying to get oxygen. It's uh-huh. not going to be that wet. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, I, you know, I think it's a great place. It won't. Won't be anything to rake, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, say I would go with the dawn redwood, but well, if, if I, were I had choosing, the free right, yeah. Yeah. got a free seedling, then it's definitely bald <coughs> right. cypress. And why would you why, why would you pick one over the other? Because just, with the dawn redwood, you don't have to worry about the the knees no, at all. I just like the way the the, the color of the trunk too. Yeah. I think is spectacular yeah. on the dawn redwood. Right, I agree with you. Yeah, uh, but I, you, I see nothing wrong at all with the bald cypress. Now you, there are some issues sometimes. Um, they can get, they have a midge that gets in them, that will forms a little green growth on it, and it weights the foliage down. Oh, now he's telling me this. So, to- so it will look a little bit like it's weeping. It's not going to hurt uh-huh. the health of the tree. Okay, but instead of it having the more outright type limbs, it will. If there's a heavy mm-hmm. infestation, it will weep down a little bit. Um, so it's just something that you should be aware of. It happened to me. We had one at our first house in Bartlett. But, uh, but these are not the kind of trees that are going to be brittle. You know, they're not no. like a, you know, a pear that's going to split in half. Uh, these trees uh, are very well anchored so that they don't fall down every time we get a little breeze through here. So I'm thinking yeah. this could be a perfect tree to put back there in yeah. that corner I, yeah. back against the woods. I like yeah. it because it's not an oak. I love oaks, but we have plenty of oaks. Right. So that that's another good now, reason. You touched on something that I want to bring up, and we may talk more about it after the break. But you know, if she's digging these things and bringing them to you, she cannot legally sell them to you. Right now, yeah, you're yeah. right. I, and of course, has, I know that everything that is sold in nurseries has to come from a nursery that has been licensed, inspected, uh, and has a business license and all that. 
even if you see plants on the internet advertised, mm-hmm. if they're selling them, that's illegal. Yeah. And, I mean, she's, and I encourage you not to buy from them. Yeah, she said that she was licensed, you know, licensed. And, and, but you got to have that proof, though. you got to have mm-hmm. the paperwork and everything right. else because you're right, Jim. I mean, you, you can, can give the plants away. Exactly. But you cannot sell them in Tennessee because this is the way we get insects and diseases spread, mm-hmm. particularly great distances. You know, if somebody gives you a plant that they bought off the Internet and then you mm-hmm. go to California, yeah. um, you take that thing with you. So, you know, please, please do not buy plants from anybody offering them for sale on the Internet. And, and it looked legitimate because she did have her uh, or business. Etsy or yeah. Yeah, that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> she did have her business card stapled to the pot, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, that did it then. That's all. Yeah. I used it, to say, oh, well, if they've got a business card, then it's all legit. Hey, that's but now my business point. cards are so cheap. Yeah. Just, mm-hmm. yeah. That's why I brought this up. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, but, but that's true, Jim. That's something to... Because we do have people calling on us to buy house plants. They're, they and they we can't, can't do it. Yeah, just can't. It's got to be come from a licensed grower, and they got to be inspected and everything else. Especially because what could be in the soil? I might could expect to inspect the top of the plant, and everything looks good, but and that's an issue. You know, it's yeah. like you cannot take soil into Hawaii. You cannot mm-hmm. bring any soil out of Hawaii into the United States, wow. um, just because there are. What we consider beneficial microbes in there that will not be beneficial if you move them to mm-hmm. Hawaii. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's the plant industry is highly regulated. Okay. And uh, we want to follow the rules. Mm-hmm. We do. Uh, so you know, be, be leery of any, if it looks, if it's cheap, you know, and off the internet, you know, unless no. it's a company. Then yeah. be leery. Yeah. Good point there, Jim. Company, yeah. So, so y'all are saying maybe go ahead and because they're really fast growing. That mm-hmm. I know they are. And this thing is just a. I mean, I'm this two foot. Think about yeah. this, guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, how long am I going to have to wait before this thing's ten to twelve foot? I mean, five years, yeah, or less. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So if I'm going to do it, go ahead and do it now, yeah. then. Right. So good. We got that solved. We know what's going in the corner. Corners are hard to find things that fit. Statues. I'm beginning to think if it's a small bed and you just got a little bitty corner, put a statue there. Well, this they, <laughs> put this a is bird bath. this is unique, like I said, because it backs up to the woods and it stays more shaded. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it used to when my my neighbor had the cryptomerias that are now cut down. Yeah. So, well, I'll have to take a look at it and see how much sun or shade I'm getting. But this this cypress will grow in full sun, but I also know it will grow in you know half a day sun. And so. you can actually grow a little grass under it. Don't want any grass. I've already got the bed. It's already been okay. made back there. Yeah. You know, I might get a few ferns and a few hostas and throw them back well, there. Well, what was that about, Jim? What? He always wants to grow his grass up to the tree, and you finally tell him he's allowed, and he doesn't want it. Well, no, only because I've already got a bed back there. I'm like you, but yes, I do typically like grass growing up to the trunk of the tree. we got to harass you, you know. All right, so bald cypress is in then. Mm-hmm. And if bald I ever start getting these, y'all going to come help me cut them out of there, right? You can just take saw and cut them off. Yep. We always use the Sawzall. Yeah. Yeah, just skin them right off. But was that a yes or no? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know I'll be there pruning your knees. I love you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, I'm going to try it then, guys, because I've never, never, I mean, I love them. I've mm-hmm. always liked them. Uh, of course, I've got a sapling here, so I'm going to plant the thing and see what happens. And if you don't do that, you'd go back with the mimosa or a red bud or a chase vitex. No, I'd go back or, with the mimosa because, mm-hmm. you know, that's why I planted a mimosa back there to start with because my wife wanted wood for all the reasons that. 
And, you know, this, and mimosas, you know, they never gave me a problem. You know, they one, it's not really yeah. a messy tree they, at all. Oh, I know. Uh, when they're in bloom, but, you know, it makes us think about, you know, the South with the, right. where we grew up in. And, of course, hummingbirds love this thing. So I never really had a problem with with the mimosa. No. They were a lot of fun to grow up with. That was our little pretend-like delicacies on our pretend-like kitchen on our pretend-like rich plates. <laughs> but you get online to read about mimosas, they're saying stay away from those things. Oh, I like you. them. All right, y'all, hang on. We have more fun. Give us a call, 901-260-5926. Gardeners, and welcome back to Mid South Gardening. Hi, hi, <laughs> hi, Jim. I get it. Hey, Miss Veda. Good Where morning you to from? you. I'm beginning to think my name is Veda, Jim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Veda. Hey, Jim. Hey, Veda, hey, hey, Jim. Jim. Yeah. Hey, Jim. <laughs> hey, my middle name used to be Veda Line One. What's the line Veda Line One? <laughs> my middle name was because they were always remember the screeners are always calling Veda Line One. Yeah. Jim Line Two. Yeah. Mine's Veda Line One. So what's been going on at Palladios this week? Ooh-wee. Oh, my goodness. Just looking at the, you know, the muley grass, the pink muley grass. I've got it set in the perfect place. Oh, yeah. It's just full bloom in the sun and the afternoon just shines through it. Like, they're probably tired of me putting it on Facebook or Instagram because it's just so moving. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. We, had a, we had a few brought back from the Highway 64 location uh, yesterday mm-hmm. morning, and we put them in front of the building. A uh, guy came in and said, what is that? And I said, yeah. that's pink moolie grass. It's an ornamental grass that has that plume that's like you're talking mm-hmm. about, Beta. He said, I want all three of them. You yeah. know? And like you said, I mean, ornamental grasses, they're great through the year, but when them things are in plume, that's when they are mm-hmm. really, really good looking. Mm. So many of them now have good fall color in the foliage, too. Yeah. You've really got, y'all really have to do ornamental gla- grasses. Oh, that pink muley. Muley or muley? I say pink muley grass. Muley or muley? Well, it's Muhlenbergia is so the botanical just, name. We're just yeah, we're so making it smaller. It's splitting hairs. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Because is it princes or princes? <laughs> <laughs> we went through that earlier. Yeah, so then you have the pink muley grass and then the black madre gla- grass because it's got the black cattails. That look together is pretty. And then throw you some perennials in there and an evergreen like a small ink berry. Mm-hmm. Um that gives you like a full round, full year of good looking stuff. Yeah. Perennials, green, grasses, annuals. Yeah. You know, your pansies, your snapdragons right now. And then throwing a few of the pumpkins, you know, that yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Veda, you and I basically are doing the same thing. I mean, you know, fall color, of course, and pansies and volas and cabbage and kale and all that stuff. The pumpkins. Uh, that's why, to me, fall is just a, a fun time. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, people are planting trees and shrubs this time of year because fall is definitely the planting season. And y'all, and what do y'all think about this? I was having a discussion with a lady yesterday, and she was being sincere as she possibly could be. <laughs> she was like, you know how we've always said fall is really a good planting season right. when it comes to trees and shrubs, and it always has been. Well, we all know what happened last winter with the flash freeze before Christmas. And a lot of trees and shrubs, especially shrubs, evergreens, were completely decimated. Now, of course, yes, yeah, some of that stuff did come back, but there was still a lot of it that didn't come back. And she was like, do you still think it's okay for me to plant shrubs in the fall? Well, 
you know, how do you answer that? I mean, of course, I was like, absolutely, because, you know, spring and fall are the optimal times to plant. Fall probably even being the best time to plant if you can find what you're looking for. But her questioning was the way it was because of what happened to a lot of her shrubs last winter. So she's thinking, okay, if I plant this fall and we have the same kind of winter flash freeze that we had last year, I could lose all this stuff that I planted. And I was like, you know what? You're exactly right. I mean, no one can predict. I surely can't predict, you know, if we're going to have one of those sudden drops in temperatures anytime between now and next spring. No one can. I said, now I can tell you, you know, hopefully we won't see this for another 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years because it's been that long since. Well, we've never seen it quite like this. And I said, now, could the same thing happen this coming winter? Yeah. I mean, it could. So I said, we have a big ice storm and break all the limbs on everything. So so you've got to I mean, but I understand why people are a little gun shy or maybe a little afraid to plant what they have always, you know, shrubs in the fall because of what happened last year. Now, I said, look, look at it this way. I said, percentage wise, you should be perfectly fine, you know, because this is a, you know, one thing that happened in, in our lifetime. I said, now, if the same thing happens this coming year, then, yeah, we might have to rethink, you know, what we're doing in the fall. But, I mean, think about it, guys. It has people thinking about, you know, uh, do I wait until spring to plant? Because at least I'm not planting in the fall where I have that winter potential. Who knows what kind of winter in front of me? Or do we still, you know, recommend, which, of course, I do, planting in the fall because it's such a wonderful Mm -hmm. time to plant trees and shrubs. I know folks ask me, should I go back and replant camellias? I'm like, man, you got to replant a camellia. Maybe I try a different plant for a uh, cryptomeria, (laughs) you know, just a different evergreen, you know, if you're not wanting to go back with something that had damage. Camellias got to do them again. But see, I think I would even plant a cryptomeria. Now, there again, I wouldn't plant 20 like we've Mm -hmm. seen people planting in a row and they lost all 20 of them or 15 of them. But I, I still love it enough to where I would have no problem planting another one. Now, can the same thing happen? Of course. Do we, do I think, not that it matters what I think when it comes to the weather, it's going to happen again? No, I don't. But well, it know, could. If you think back, though, we had an, a nasty freeze in November of 2019, and then we had last year. So we've had a couple of events that were not normal okay, yeah. in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, is that going to become the norm here? Well, I don't know. You know, right. we are getting considerably warmer. Uh, so it, it may be that our plants don't get as far set into um, dormancy. And then the cold, which mm-hmm. would be normal 25 years ago, mm-hmm. can come in and cause that damage. But I think we learned a lot from this. Uh, we know now that, you know, if, we see the temperature is going to drop substantially. You know, throw a sheet over that Japanese maple to keep mm-hmm. the sun from hitting the bark. You the know, next morning, right, and preventing that sun scald. So there's a number of things that we know we can do. Watering really well prior, icing it down to protect the foliage. Mm-hmm. You know, um, spraying it with a, a dormant oil if it's a broadleaf evergreen mm-hmm. to help prevent water loss. Um, so there are a number of things that we we know we can do to help protect this. Can we protect everything? Nope, we can't. No. You know, but but I, but I thought it was pretty legit that I mean I was kind of scratching my head that 
you know, what is the thinking of people? I mean, what are they thinking uh, because uh, of the tremendous amount of damage, and especially if you had a lot of damage to your landscape of what happened last winter? And, and she knew just she's always planted in the fall. Mm-hmm. And when she wanted to dig up a few shrubs and plant a, new, uh, a few more shrubs, fall was the time to do it. But it got her thinking in the back of her head, hmm, do I, mm-hmm. do I really want to do it this fall or do I wait till next spring? Yeah, right. And, well, it's getting time to have um, Christmas tree-looking plants in containers. You, you mean know? like an Alberta spruce yeah, and a tater tot arborvita? Yeah, a hetz eye, um, mm. a black dragon. Black dragon what? Um, cryptomeria. Oh, okay. Even though, you know, <clears throat> they, hollies, all the, the red hollies, they're more pyramidal. And then you can put your Christmas lights on them and your red bows on them. And then, if you don't want to keep hollies in your containers or any of those in your containers, then you plant them in your landscape. And also for containers, you know, we're always thinking, well, just pansies, just pansies. Or I want something to last year round, and a lot of people don't plant because they think in the container that their plants are are not going to be there in the winter. But, you know, think about using, like, dwarf mondo grass. Mm -hmm. That's a good filler. Uh, the Everillo Carex grass. Mm-hmm. That's evergreen too, yellow evergreen. And, um, Ajuga, Ivies. You know, you can put all those in with your pansies. And, uh, you know, things like, uh, even the variegated Ivy is already now mm-hmm. down to about zero degrees. It is, but a lot yeah. of them are. Yeah. Those English Ivies. Yeah. That's gorgeous. That would be gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff to use, um, with your, like a blue Pacific juniper is great in a container. With other things planted, cabbage, pansies, blue Pacific juniper. Well, I even yeah. wrote down, um, because let's say if you've got a container, and this, because I was talking to a customer about this, and you're right, Vade, a lot of people in gym, a lot of people like to go in there and just put <laughs> fall color, whether it's, you know, ornamental cabbage, the kale, the snapdragons, the dusty miller, all of that just really pretty color, right? Right. And that's what she wanted also, but... She also wanted, and this is a probably an 18, 20 inch pot. She also wanted something in the center of the pot that was taller. And I said, well, come on, let me show you some, uh, some evergreens. And she didn't want us to look at, you know, evergreens mm-hmm. like boxwoods or hollies yeah. or any of that stuff. She wanted more of an ornamental type uh-huh. plant that was going to be a taller specimen in the center of the pot that she put the color around. Mm. Well, that's not an easy thing to do this time of year. Yeah. You know, I so mean, all I can think of is camellia. Nope, didn't want a shrub at all. No shrubs. Something ornamental, tall in them. You know, so I'm like, okay, well, I said, now, you can always put like an ornamental grass here in the center. Now, in the winter, it's going to turn brown, but you'll still have something tall there. And it made me think of you, Veda. I said, you can go out there and you can cut some limbs of, you know, of holly or magnolia or, you know, deciduous hollies Mm -hmm. with the berries around there. And you can poke that in the center of this pot and create... A taller thing. She needs to use blue dark, blue dark grass. It's a jungle. Well, I mentioned, of course, the, gets, the grasses. And it's evergreen, and you can plant it in your landscape, and it'll last that way, too. But what else, it's guys? A, but the juncus, it doesn't look like a grass. It's like a blue, thin, tubular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, almost like a horse reed. Yeah, horse you know? tail reed. Very yeah. so you could use horse tail reed. You could, yeah. but if you can find it. But a lot of that mm-hmm. stuff you can't find this yeah. late in the year, so... It, it it's not that simple because in the spring there's a million things you can put in the center of a pot to get your your you know your height. Mm-hmm. Uh, this time of year, if you're not wanting to put any kind of a tree or a shrub yeah. in there, it can be a little more challenging. 
Uh, but it, you know, you know, people still when they see their pots, they want the tall thing, they want the filler stuff, and then they want the uh, spillers, you know, the ivy and that kind of stuff. But I was just thinking, man, unless you're cutting some limbs or whether you're putting an ornamental grass, I mean, can y'all mm-hmm. think of anything else? Yeah, just for me, I made sure I have the blue dark grass because I'm going <laughs> to put. For me, I see that as a uh, winter filler because I'm going to have like the blue dark grass and which is blue. And white pansies <laughs> around. Sense. Sometimes it does, stuff doesn't look, well, you know, blue is in a shape. Right. Blue is in your cup. Uh, right. But, um, yeah, so you have that, and then I'd say, like, white pansies around That's it. That's right. It gives a good, crisp, cool winter look. Now, what if you were cutting stuff, though? What would you cut and put in there? Well, especially if she's doing it now, you would probably be prepared to cut a number of times because we're still hot, so the hollies aren't going to last as long. So just walk through your landscape and really anything that... Mm-hmm. That's an evergreen. I mean, you could cut 18 inches yeah. and just stick it down in there, three or four of them, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're yeah. doing a arrangement of flowers. Yeah. Just stick them down in the pot. Toss some haw hollies with all the red berries. That's right. Get some, just some cuttings of Sir Harry Lauder's walking stick. Yeah. That'd be beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I made cuttings of the Harry Lauder walking stick and put it back in the potting area for the leaves to dry on it. Well, you know, people don't clean up, but somebody cleaned up and threw those away. <laughs> of course they did. <laughs> So keep that in mind. I mean, if you've got the pots and you've got the pansies and volas and all that stuff and you want something taller in the center, you might have to get a little creative this time Mm -hmm. of year if you're not wanting to put a tree or a shrub in there. Yeah, Harry Lauder walk stick, red twig, yellow twig, dogwoods. Mm -hmm. All right, y'all, we'll be right back. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. 260-5926 or folks. One more time. Post a pet. <laughs> Post a question on Facebook Live yes. if you would like to, and we'll read it out just like that. <laughs> yeah, Mid-South Gardening, um, Mighty 990 Facebook page. Let's go to Cheryl calling from Arkansas. You're in the Mid-South Garden. How can we help you? Oh, good morning again. I enjoy your show. Thank you. Thanks, Thank Cheryl. Okay, so I had some crepe myrtles. Beautiful as they are, they they're a lot of trouble. So I had them. I uh, cut them down, and so I'm wondering if I should have the stump ground up, and if I do have a grind it, will those uh, roots keep coming up everywhere because they're always coming up all over. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so, they will. <laughs> For, you know, yeah, they, <laughs> three to ten years, they'll continue to come up. <laughs> even I know, right? So even if even if I have it ground grind it really deep, yeah. Or how? Yeah, you're not really removing that much of the plant when you take the trunk out and take the stump oh. out. Uh, there's so many roots out to the side where that have carbohydrates stored in them, and as we say, no plant wants to die. So it, especially a crate myrtle, yeah, it kick, it starts kicking out pups, you know, and if it gets some leaves on it, then it builds more carbohydrates. So, you know, you can kill it. And what you want to do though is, when it resprouts, let those sprouts get up ten, twelve inches tall. Get mm-hmm. some foliage on them. If you spray them at three inches, they're probably not going to phase it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let them get ten or twelve inches tall. Spray them or paint them with a mixture of uh, glyphosate, Roundup-type products, 
and a brush killer that's got triclopyr in it. Yeah, Jim, you could just, you use just the brush killer by itself, or you, you like to? You could, but I, I think it helps to get that in, down into the system. Yeah, I got you. Okay. Uh, and uh, just you'll just do that, and it won't take very long for you to wipe it out that way. Uh-huh. Yeah, so just you know, go to your garden center and just you know tell them, hey, I need a brush killer and some Roundup glyphosate, and just uh, <clears throat> just so, paint it on it. This is probably the easiest way if you have other plants around it. And then what about with Cheryl? Uh, if she got these things cut down, and if you're not going to go back in there and plant, you know, really right in that same spot, you really don't have to get in there. And grind the stump out, but if you don't, the stump's going to want to resprout also. Yes, it will. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, then you might want to get a <clears throat> drill and drill holes in that yeah. stump and use that same solution that Jim's talking about mm-hmm. as a stump killer. Because right. if not, it's going to want to resprout, Cheryl. Right, right. I, yeah, I'm going to have I, I'm going to have him come and uh, grind it up anyway. So. Yeah. And the other thing is, I had some azaleas planted around it, and I also have azaleas in the garden, and I cut down some other trees. <coughs> so my fear is next summer they're going to be in full sun. Mm-hmm. So Are they the but, encores or just the regular traditional? Oh, no, regular. Yeah, yeah. Ma'am, regular. Yeah. Uh-huh. <clears throat> You're going to see them get lace bug really bad. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it would be a number of years before they probably die from it, mm-hmm. but they're not uh-huh. going to be happy. You know, yeah. I would think about. Uh, moving to encores or moving to something else and removing those. Uh-huh. Mm, unless I planted some canas, cana flowers. Yeah, you could do canas. Yeah, yeah, put something oh, that grows over and shades them, banana plants, something yeah. like that, that would get big enough oh, yeah, quick that would uh-huh. give oh, them some shade. Yeah. Corn, you uh-huh. could do corn. <laughs> you mean like yeah, regular corn? corn. You're right. <laughs> yeah, you could. You sure can. But don't. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. Okay. Exactly. Well, one more question, if you have time. Sure. Okay, I had a, a, brand, a brand to repair. Okay, so the man came and grinded the stump, but it's rerouting in several places, mm-hmm. and they're about 10 inches tall, and he said just to spray Roundup on them. And I don't know if the roots are still at the bottom of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they are. And that's another plant, that, you know, because it's got a lot of roots there, it's trying to survive. So, yeah, just uh-huh. use the same mixture. You know, I like okay. adding the Roundup because, in fact, a lot of times on plants, I'll put the Roundup on a day or two in advance and then come back with the brush killer. Brush killer burns mm-hmm. the foliage off so quickly that sometimes I think the Roundup doesn't get down into the root systems like mm-hmm. I would like. Um, uh-huh. So, um, you know, but typically, if, you know, particularly if you're pouring it in a trunk, it ain't going to matter. Yeah. Okay. So they, so I should let the bread prepare and the, uh, Crepe myrtle get to be about ten or twelve inches tall. Yes, and then spray. Mm-hmm. that gives you uh-huh. enough foliage on it that you can spray it, and you got enough chemical to do its job. Yeah. Okay. My idea was to cut it to about three inches, get all those leaves off, so it would go down deeper. No, no. The more foliage you have for that chemical to get on, Cheryl, the better off you're going to be. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I love your show. Thank you all so very much. Hey, thank, thank you for calling us more. Thanks, Thanks Cheryl. Have a great weekend, dear. Thank you, I've still you been too. doing the 20% vinegar on the crepe myrtle uh, sprouts. For how many years? Uh, <laughs> about three months. <laughs> Just <laughs> get ready. The, yeah, well, then that's the same thing as the Roundup. We're always spraying over and over. So well, why not spray? I mean, if you want to go natural, 
you got the vinegar well, because it kills it down. You said vinegar or the, or the sea salt, but I'm, I'm yeah. with Jim. I, I think I'm going to try to use something that is systemic that's going to go down and, and hopefully invariably get rid of that root system down there because crepe myrtles are one of those things. If you cut it down, mm-hmm. you're going to get re-sprouts. Yeah, yeah you know? exactly. Yeah, so I've just got it handy where I've got a uh, two-gallon water jug, just dump the vinegar in there and because it's got the spray nozzle. Not the spray nozzle, but it breaks the water up. And then just pour it on. Get them wait until the foliage gets tall, of course, and just pour it on there. In about a day, it's all black and smooshy. Well, and then it's gone. And then in about a month later, it's back up. So, <laughs> well, but that's the, that's the same with the Roundup and the brush killer. Yeah, it's, it's a process of elimination. Yeah, no doubt, regardless of what you use it. But whether it, whether but it might happen faster with Roundup, maybe it'll happen a couple months sooner than with vinegar. Maybe a year. I don't know. I'm but that's just, just another alternative. That. But whether yeah. it's the vinegar, which is usually a 20 or 30%, much stronger than what you find on the grocery shelves. Yeah. So a strong percentage of vinegar. There's the sea salt times 10, which is a really strong <laughs> salt uh, water. Yeah. And then, of course, the dead bug, uh, dead weed brew, mm-hmm. which is another organic product by Bonide that does a yeah. good job. Well, there's a number of things, and all of them work. Just your choice. We'll see you in a few minutes for the next hour of Mix Out Gardening. The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome to the third hour of Mid-South Gardening. I'm Veda with Palladio... In Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> I love her to death. And I'm Kenneth with the Dan West Garden Centers right there on Popper Avenue. We have another location on Highway 64, but usually I call the Popper Avenue homes. There's, so, yeah. a, um, there's a website that says, do you remember things that used to be in Memphis? And this mm-hmm. week it popped up. You remember Dan West Garden no. Center on Popper? Is there something, Jim, hey, that I don't know? I was there yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and yes, finally the administrator it. turned it off and said, they're still there. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Just been there for a long time, since the uh, the 50s, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. But this time of year at the independent garden centers, whether you know, you're going down to Palladio's or, or Dan West or the other independent garden centers, you can find... You know, all everything you're looking for. I mean, the fall decorations, whether it's the pumpkins, then the gourds and the corn stalks and the hay bales and all that, but all the fall color, you know, the beautiful stuff that you put in your planters. But just as important, of course, you know, your uh, your shrubs that a lot of mm-hmm. people are planting this time of year. Yeah, because this is an excellent time to plant. A lot of people don't know that that is the case, but it is the case. A lot of folks think summer is our busiest season, but it's not. Um, spring is actually our biggest season, but it seems like it should be fall is the biggest season because that's the best planting time, unless, especially for trees and shrubs and all. Absolutely. Yeah. And the main reason is the soil temperature now is warm and it will be warm till the first of the year or so. Yeah. So you're getting a lot of root growth as long as that soil temperature <laughs> is above really 40, 45 degrees. Yeah. And you don't have the stress yeah. of the summertime. You don't usually have right. as many insects out there. And usually there's not as many diseases and you don't have the evaporation. Right. Deciduous stuff's lost its right. foliage. So it doesn't matter if, you know, it can go long periods yeah. of time without rain. Right. So, um, 
Fall's yeah. a good time to plant, right. so keep Always that in mind. Now, there are a few exceptions. There are a few plants mm-hmm. that I would not plant until the spring. Which One would be four-inch ground covers because right. they're so yeah. likely to get heaved out and, and just dry freeze. Mm-hmm. The other are things that we know are desiccate so heavily from winds, and that would be gardenias. Mm-hmm. I would plant those in the spring. I would not plant them in the fall. Agreed, yeah. So, um, and, uh, now, if you were further south, I'd plant them in, in the fall. Mm-hmm. But here, because mm-hmm. we're approaching the top end of most gardenias' um, uh, gro- growth zones, I think you you just much more likely to succeed waiting and planting it in the spring. Yeah, I agree with that. Aren't you glad? I am glad. <laughs> like Since I I'm have right. to. Right, I was going to say, like I have to agree with you, but yes, that is totally right. Uh, let's see. So I'm always wanting to add a little bit of natives into the landscape, and Clethra is a good one to use. What is that? What, what's the other name? Sweet shrub? Summer is sweet. sweet. Summer, summer sweet. sweet, yes. Yeah, summer sweet. And it's a really These are nurserymen that are in here with yeah. me. I, just, just, I was them. thinking of sweet spire. I used you know. to know it all. <laughs> I know. used to know. And then they gave us more to know, yeah, which I made me forget what I knew. Brain turned oatmeal. Yeah, so. that, that works too. That helps. But Clethra, y'all look that up. It's really neat. It does lose its leaves in the winter, but um, it's got great white foliage in the spring. It can be a white, shrub. White blooms. White blooms, yeah. yes. White foliage. Would you want a white foliage? Well, that would be like the dogwood. That variegated dogwood's kind of a white foliage. Yeah, and that dappled willow that everybody thinks they can grow here. Yeah. And the cool. snow on the mountain, um, Asiatic jasmine. Yeah, yeah. That's a white one, too. But it's the summer Clarethra, and snow. Yes. Thank you, Jim. Whatever. Yes. yes the <laughs> <laughs> that one too that one too um yeah so clethra white blooms it could be you could do it a tree form you can do it as a bush it helps um collect good beneficial insects and since it's native of course it's got to be good yeah the the clethra bloom reminds me of the laurel bloom kind of yeah. like the you know the kind of fuzzy the pipe br- cleaner yes. yeah the huddle brush yeah. pipe cleaner look yeah um, but then also, you know what smells awesome this time of year? Sweet olives. Yes. Mm-hmm. The sweet olives are insane. They smell so sweet. And I know that some got damaged, but not as many as I thought because I'm smelling them. Well, they did around. get, they got new. Mine got it in, in 2019. Oh. It started no. backwards then. Well, and then over oh. two, three years, it finally kicked. I mean, they, well, I saw last year where a lot of them were killed to the ground, but every one, every one that I've seen that were killed down to about 12 inches off the ground Mm -hmm. are really coming back from, from, you know, they cut them way back and they're coming back out, Jim, because most of them that I've seen already had a good root system on them Mm -hmm. and they're already up, you know, two or three foot. So thank goodness they widened, decimated. They were, they were knocked down, but they're coming back. We actually have two. 30-gallon um, sweet Osmanthas. olives. Yeah, the Osmanthas. And wow, you know, those smell good. I just mm-hmm. set them where we just have to walk right through them every day. But because also you can grow those like in a tree form as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're a shrub, but they can be a nice ornamental mm-hmm. tree, really. Good well, shade. The beauty of them is, and Ron, hang on just a second, is, you know, they can take a, you know, they can take some shade. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. They grow more up right yeah you know almost kind of like a conical shaped plant or shrub Mm -hmm. um they're evergreen yeah and the fragrance like you said is nothing out there compares to it particularly at night 
they get much more intense at night. That that air gets a little heavier, Jim. Yeah, and if you'll um, <clears throat> when they're in bloom, <clears throat> if you'll go out there one dark night and just hit it with a flashlight, mm-hmm. it it's there's so much white in there that you cannot see during the daytime. It just stands oh. out like it's got lights on it. Yeah, that it's makes really sense. cool. I've never done that. Okay, hmm, interesting. I think I want to try that too. Uh, Ron, let's go to Ron calling from Memphis. Good morning. You're in the Mid South Garden. Yes, uh, I've got a couple of quick questions. Uh, one sure. is uh, this time of year, uh, any type of fertilizer you should prep your yard or flower gar- uh, flower gardens with. Well, as far as the yard goes, Ron, especially around Bermuda and Zoysia, even fescue to some extent, you can put a product called Winterizer down. Um, it comes in a bag, uh, covers about 5,000 square feet, typically speaking. Uh, and the analysis is like, what, a 10 0, 14, something mm-hmm. like that, Jim. It's got 10% nitrogen, which is enough nitrogen, especially for Bermuda and Zoysia, to just kind of keep it going for the rest of the year. But it does have that 14% potassium in there that hardens it up before winter gets here. And then, mm-hmm. uh, and of course, the plant tone, holly tone. Anything organic. Lawn tone, yeah. Anything organic. And then if you're going for the synthetic, the one that Kenneth was talking about, definitely. Yeah, the, uh, so winterizer more for the lawn. Mm-hmm. And then there is a product you can buy, like in a 50-pound bag, Ron, called Zero 2020. I mean, that's just what it is. No mm-hmm. nitrogen. 20% phosphate, 20% potassium, and a lot of people use Zero 2020 as a general fertilizer uh, this time of year also. No need to put any lime down? Just well, but lime is not a fertilizer. I mean, this is a great time of year to put lime down. In fact, we're going to talk about lime. Uh, I made a note uh, in my notes last night to talk about lime. This is a great time of year to put lime down to raise the pH in your garden or your lawn before next year's growing season gets here. So, you, yes, you can put lime down. You do need to base that on whether or not you need the lime, though, okay? Because you don't want to get it too alkaline. The soil I have is a lot of clay. Um, that doesn't tell you anything, yeah. really. Um, yeah. you may think, get you one of these little cheap $30 uh, soil test meters. And uh, they're inexpensive. There's no batteries in them. They last forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just test your pH, you know. And if you're looking at lawn, you want it around six and a half or so. Mm-hmm. And then if you're not, if it's too low, then yes, absolutely, you want to get, add some lime in there. You know, but if you've got uh, perennial beds or that have azaleas or something like that in with them, they're not going to appreciate a pH of six and a half. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're gonna. You may not need to do anything, or you may even need to go the other way. You so may you're just saying, Jim, you just need to know what that pH is. You do. You got to have a starting point before you decide what you need to put down. But if this is a lawn that you're talking about, Ron, most <clears throat> definitely have the pH check because you want to know what that pH is and add lime, like Jim was saying, if you need to, and put that uh, winterizer down. That ten zero fourteen is the fertilizer I would use this late in the year. Last question, uh, uh, I heard you talk about this is the best planting time for bushes. Right. Does that include rose bushes? Oh, absolutely. It's just, yeah, except the, the <laughs> it is the best time. It's a except, caveat, though. Yeah, there's you can't find the every man. You know? Everybody thinks about gar- spring and, and, and planting roses, and that's when you find hundreds of varieties. I have four climbing roses, and that's all. Yeah, that's see? available, yeah. yeah. So, Ron, you're always going to find your largest selections of roses in the spring, even though fall it would be a wonderful time to plant them. 
Okay, well, thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for the call. Those are great, great questions. Um, Back to the summer suite, Clethra, there's also pinks now. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so so don't say I don't want it because just it has a white bloom. There's also some pinks as well. Really pretty. Yeah, so that's a good one to go with. And then last time I talked about the mock orange. Y'all check that one out too. But it's time for a break. Give us a call, 901-260-5926. You're listening to the Mighty 990. Yeah, we want to thank our um, sponsor of this show, Palladio Home and Gardens. Been mm-hmm. with us since um, basically the beginning of this uh, of our little venture here, and we also like to thank our partners. Uh, one of which is Harvest Systems, who I've been doing commercials for them off and on since they started back in forty years ago. Yeah, so good company, and um, we'd like for you to to listen to this little ad about. Well, um, there there are good people, and they're the experts around here, Jim. And if you're living in Arlington or Atoka, uh, Bartlett, Carryville, Germantown, even out in Lakeland, Millington, Mumford, which is a good ways out, Oakland or Somerville, uh, they'll take care of all these lawns in these areas. You know, a lot of times, you know, they'll ask what kind of lawn or insect problems are you having? Are you having fire ants? Uh, are you having weeds? Of course. Uh, brown spots or bare spots. It's not just the weeds they take care of. It's all these other things that people have these questions about. And these are the experts that will take care of those problems for you. And if you don't know what you have, then they'll be able to tell you and analyze it and treat it properly. Irby Systems locally owned and it has a team that maintains over like 11,000 customers property. And they will take care of your trees and shrubs. Good Lord. And maintaining your lawn can be a complicated process. We all know that. So whether you're dealing with insects or you just need to irrigate your soil, Herbie Systems has your back. They're the best lawn care program in Memphis. Let me kill your weeds has never sounded so good. Yeah, for a free quote this week, just tell them you heard about Herbie Systems on the Garden Show or just say KWAM, K-W-A-M. But I'm telling you guys, if you want a lawn care service that cares about you, cares about your lawn, they're locally owned. They've always been right here in Memphis, Tennessee. So they know our lawns. They know our problems. Be sure to give these guys a call, 390-9898. That's 390-9898. All right. So was there anything we were talking about before that we're supposed to continue? PH, but let me tell you about this. I had a guy come into the garden center. A lot of people do, right? Mm -hmm. And he said, Kenny, he said, I had a vegetable garden. This was his second year. And he said, and the last year he grew uh, some some vegetables in this in this plot, and he said I had pretty good success, except with tomatoes. And we all know that that was all weather more than anything. But he said nothing. I planted everything this year, and everything was okay. It was healthy, but it just didn't really grow. Yeah. And I was like, you know, you know, you know, we went over the amending the soil with the compost, mm-hmm. feeding as needed, watering as needed. I said. Have you ever had the pH checked? And he said, well, no. Yeah. I said, bring me some soil. You know, and then when somebody brings me soil up there to let me check it, we've got this very accurate meter that we put in there. But it's got to be a decent amount of soil. It can't be just a little <laughs> handful. Yeah. It's got to be like a, you know, a big, you know, solo cup full of soil. But anyway, so we brought some up there. We checked that pH and it was 5.2. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, as Jim said a while ago, not only in a lawn, you want it around six and a half. In a vegetable garden, you want it around six and a half. Seven is neutral. Think about this. Six, okay, is ten times more acidic than seven. 
five is a hundred times more acidic than seven. He's sitting there at 5.2, almost at five. You can imagine how acidic this soil is. So what happens when that soil is that acidic? I don't care how much you feed your vegetable garden. The acidic soil really locks up most of those uh, those nutrients to where the plant can't use it. So I said, listen, man, you need to put this much amount of lime down, which is a good bit of lime down per 100 square feet. We're going to come back in late February, early March. We're going to recheck this pH because you can do everything just right. But if you don't get that pH up where it really needs to be, you're going to suffer. Those plants are not going to grow like they should. Let me see. Getting really detailed here. Okay, <clears throat> so if we're not having to change the pH fast, and fast orga- yeah, if we're not, not having to, oh, gotcha. like if we're not having to, yeah. and organic matter <clears throat> is neutral. Right. <clears throat> yeah, it's organic stuff's neutral. Some so of it is. Sometimes. Yeah. You, could you mix all that in the soil and expand? Expect the pH to balance out. Yeah, when your grandchildren are there. Right. That's right. what I'm so you probably can't <laughs> you, you, wait that long. You can't. Yeah. You you gotta add some lime to get it to get it up. But and the, even there it takes time. Now like yeah. they kind of saying there are some fast limes now that right. significantly reduce the time, but even they're not immediate. Right. Yeah, right. Right. That's why doing it now would be such mm-hmm. a a good thing for him. But I'm telling you guys, he had been doing everything right. And this is only a second or third year. I can't remember exactly. Maybe his third year. And he said they were there. They were just kind of hanging mm-hmm. on and not really growing. And that pH was almost at five, which is a hundred times more acidic than seven. And you want to be at least at six and a half. And the best way to raise that pH, of course, is to put lime down. And that's one of the problems we have in Memphis landscapes is we grow such a wide variety of plants that need a different pH. Azaleas five and a half, boxwood six and a half, blueberries four and a half, <laughs> pachysandra. Okay, they, yes. you, when we're mixing plants like this in the same bed, one or more of them not going to be a hundred percent happy. That's right. right. So you you know if you've got them in the same bed, then you know add some if you need to add some lime to the boxwood. Just keep it away yeah. from the azalea, right? Okay? Because that's a very popular planting boxwoods and azaleas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And when you're right, one of them's going to suffer. And, you, and a lot of times you have to go in and add something, add something like aluminum sulfate or iron sulfate to bring the pH down. To bring the pH down around the azaleas, so or hydrangeas. Mm-hmm. And see, with particularly with hydrangeas, that's where you can get really creative. <laughs> okay, why, Jim? Because they're you like get, litmus paper. Well, they are, yeah. And you get a, good, a couple of good handfuls of lime, and you throw them on the right side. Oh, fine. And then you get a couple of good handfuls of aluminum sulfate, and you uh-huh. throw it on the left side. And then you got this blue, uh-huh. purple, really pink yeah. uh, hydrangea. I love it, <laughs> so. man. That makes me want to play now. <laughs> I mean, I've kind of thought of it with enthusiasm that Jim has in the love in his yeah. eyes for this right now. It gave me the passion That's to change right. my pH on different parts of the bush. Okay, let's go to Jamie, the Master Gardener. Good morning, Jamie. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, Jamie, good morning to you, buddy. And it's always good to see a text from either you or your sweet wife uh, every Saturday morning. Y'all are definitely some of our dirt buddies, and we really appreciate it. You and Mr. Well, Paul, you, I tell you, I miss both of y'all. Well, thank you so much. Well, I want a big shout-out shout to Jim this morning. He posted uh, about the calendars uh, on the on his web, on your web page or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Want, uh, and if if things work out okay, we'll have to we'll bring you yours on the tenth, uh, which is I think that's the Saturday. 
Mm-hmm. So we'll try to get you guys uh, on the no, uh, November. Yes, sir, huh? Gotcha. Oh, okay. Yay. So what we're talking about are the calendars that come out once a year, Memphis every area year. Uh, yeah, the Memphis Area Master Gardener calendar, which to me, some people just can't live without them, and for all the right <laughs> reasons, because, and we'll get into it, not only does it have the great pictures, it's got all that information in there that you would ever need when it comes to, uh, to the gardening, when it comes to a calendar. So, yeah, glad w- to hear they're coming back out with them. And I'd like for you to give some thought, too, to this. Um how late do you have to tell them how many to print? You know, I don't know. I'd have to get with Tom Ryman to find out about that, but he's the he's the calendar guy. Well, what I thought was that we might offer it on the Facebook group and for for pre-order so we would have definite orders for them, you know, maybe starting even in August or something. Uh I'll have I'll have time to give you a call. About okay. That. All right. And that way you get your sales up some. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. It's I mean, all for a good cause, anyway. Absolutely. And another thing I wanted to mention to you, it looked like uh, if, if things work out okay, and we saw we saw Paul yesterday, and he's looking so well and, and doing is. so good, and he may be there at Spring Fling. Oh, cool. If he's <laughs> if he's there, I'm going to show up. Well, now, he, still, I, I, he has some plants and pots. All right. So awesome. Anyway, he, we're thinking he may. Uh, Jan and I were talking. We're thinking he may try to get there on uh, and and be at his booth. Well, All that'd right. be super. Fantastic. So, so anyway, we, we're hoping that happens. We can't. We can't predict. That. I know it. I know it. Well, he, Jamie, he's really excited about hoping to get to come. Now, and, and let me ask you this: one more question. The, uh, the calendars that we're talking about. Tom Raymond uh, Ryman came by the store the other day. Uh, and wanted to know, hey, Kenny, are y'all still going to carry the calendars like y'all do every year? And I'm like, well, heck, yeah. You know, people, they, they want these calendars. They're that. coming here waiting, for these calendars. Waiting, yes. So, But I think every year, uh, Jamie, this thing is getting bigger and better uh, because people really are now expecting and wanting to get these calendars from the Memphis Area Master Gardeners. Right. And, and you know, one of our, some of our, Best gardeners is Jenny Fletcher, you know quite well, and then Debbie Glass Evans. Are, they've always have a have a picture in there some way, somehow. Hmm. Normally they're <laughs> they're one and two or whatever, get the front page of it. But anyway, we gonna have uh, they've agreed to come down on the tenth and 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 to come bring the calendar with us. So I love yeah. it. All right, we'll look forward to seeing you. All right, thanks, Jamie. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks for the call. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, when the calendars come in, it's officially the holiday season. Yeah, it's uh, but they're good calendars, like I said, with all the information they have. Yeah, in there. and it's all posted. Uh, it's, it's posted uh, on our, on the Facebook group, Mid South Gardening USDA Zone Six Seven and Eight. Yeah. Tells you they'll be available on the eleventh of November in all of the outlets that they list there, which includes Dan West Novel Bookstore. Um, Birds Unlimited, Palladios, all of those. And this all supports the Master Gardeners, one of the ways they get their money. We'll be right back. listening to you guys banter over there <laughs> talking about how early they get up oh yeah, these children talking about how many times i hit the snooze before <laughs> i get up 
I was telling Kenneth, you know, then we'll get up at four and take a shower, and then I have an alarm set at four fifteen, four thirty, four forty-five, and five. People <laughs> going back to sleep, Miss Beta. I know I'm going to change the sound of my alarm on my phone so it doesn't make me so mad when I hear it at six in the morning. Because I mean, what time? Four thirty in the morning, four forty-five. Hey. Because then you know it'll be a whole different sound. I think I'm going to make it go get up. Yeah, then you would jump up. Mm. Um. House plants. Can I say this real quick? No. Because I saw this yesterday. No. <laughs> I didn't say. I just. You. I'm sorry. I just kicked. Oh, you. I don't care. Yeah, she just kicked me in the leg. I'm fixing your cramps. It's your good. Legs. It's good to have a house plant that you like. We mm-hmm. all know that. In this case, this was a spathophyllium. It's good to have a house plant in a pot that has drainage. We all know that, know that because most house plants need good drainage. Okay. So she had those first two things right. The house plant that she loved mm-hmm. in a pot that had drainage. And in fact, it was the same black nursery's pot that the house plant was grown in, like a three-gallon pot. The problem was she had this all setting in a wicker basket with a plastic inside. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Oh. For yeah. appearance reasons. I, I get yeah. that. Well, the problem was she was watering the plant in the wicker basket mm-hmm. and never taken the plant out of the whisker ba- wicker basket. Mm-hmm. So she brought this thing in, and the leaves were just drooped down the sides. I mean, just like it was bone dry. Well, taking the pot out of the wicker basket with the plastic liner at the bottom, we poured the water out of it, mm-hmm. okay? And then when you gently pull the plant up out of the pot that it was in that has drainage, mm-hmm. The bottom of it was sloppy, sloppy wet. Okay, so you're still not having drainage. Right. No, yes, no. Yeah. So you know, and it looks just like it needs water. <laughs> so what do you yeah. do to a wilted plant? You add more it. water. Yeah. yeah. So that was the problem. So I'm just bringing this up because a lot of people will be bringing their house plants in if they're not already in. But a lot of people will be bringing them in, and they want to put them in something decorative. And a lot of times we do put them in these little wicker baskets that have these nice plastic liners in the bottom of them that is perfectly fine Mm -hmm. but when you water these house plants take it out of that wicker basket go water it let it drain let it Mm -hmm. drip dry before you put it back in there i'm going to say that if you take a house plant and you put it in a it's in the bucket and you drop it down in a container that's almost exactly the same size as the bucket, right. it never can dry out because <laughs> it's still holding that moisture in there so tightly, no air circulation. I've noticed or I've found out that if you're doing it that way, because, you know, you're only supposed to go two sizes up, but that's when you're transplanting into soil. Right. So if you're just sticking your bucket down into a pot that's almost exactly the same size, it just never dries out all the way. So I would recommend getting a bigger pot, you know, setting your plant in there. And then we would pack newspaper around the pot, uh, the black pot, to keep the plant from rocking back mm-hmm. and forth. So you pack it good with newspaper. And then I would put moss to hide the newspaper, sphagnum moss, Spanish mm-hmm. moss, you know, anything mm-hmm. like that, to hide the newspaper and lightly put it over the soil because I didn't want to hold it in like that. But that's one of your best ways to keep your houseplants from holding moisture so long. They're not overwatered. The top could be dry, but like you said, the bottom can be sloppy, wet. sloppy yeah. wet. Yeah, I have most of my plants in either ceramic or uh, terracotta pots uh, with drainage holes. With drainage holes, and, and most of them are you know anywhere from six to up to fourteen inches or so. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but in the past, I've had them in my garage. So it was a concrete in there, and I didn't care when I watered them if it drained right through to the concrete, right. you know. Right. But now I'm putting this year. I'm putting them into a shed that's got a wooden floor, and, and I don't <laughs> want the water doing that. Yeah. So I went by my favorite garden center the other day and dropped mm-hmm. 150 bucks on vinyl saucers. Nice. Yeah, a lot of these now are big, <coughs> 17, 21 inch saucers. So mm-hmm. I mean they're a little pricey. Yeah. Um, but but I, they're bigger. I probably got a total of 100 saucers, you know, because mm-hmm. six inch, eight inch, and stuff. Because I got to put them in that. I I had last year combined. All of the small plants into three racks, rolling racks. Yeah. This year they're going into six rolling racks. Right. Okay. I have a problem. I know it and I admit <laughs> it. Okay. And then the I, ha- I bought all, I have all the big plants that I had. And, you know, I've got a big, huge oleander. Mm-hmm. I've got, um, big, uh, citrus. I've got this mm-hmm. massive sago palm and just recently got two additions. So they're going to, they've got <laughs> oh to have, gosh. they've got to have vinyl saucers and, they're so heavy. I have. I put. I just got roll um, plant dollies put under them. Right. So when it's a sunny day and it's up in the you know low, upper forties and fifties, mm-hmm. I can open the doors and of push the house. Them right out. Put well, just put them up to the edge yeah. there so they can get some good direct sunlight mm-hmm. on the palms. But I'm glad you said vinyl saucer because yeah, I mean there are clay saucers and, and, and ceramic saucers out there. But if you're bringing these house plants indoors, in in Jim's case, you know, even in a shed that's got a mm-hmm. wooden floor, you want to protect that floor. You've got to use something that is completely waterproof, mm-hmm. a saucer that doesn't allow any moisture to pass through it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And that's where these plastic and vinyl saucers yeah. come into play. Yes, and there's also protecto mats if you want to have a pretty mm-hmm. saucer, like we have uh, ceramic um, glazed saucers. But they still can sweat mm-hmm. under there, mm-hmm. so you can Water use moves through them. yeah a cork mat yeah, or a cork mat. Um, because yes, the vinyl saucers work absolutely best because they don't sweat underneath. And like I've got some square ones that have little feet on it. But I mean, I've got ceramic saucers, clay saucers, metal saucers, vinyl glass saucers. saucers, stone saucers. Yeah. Vin- yeah, yeah, because since we sell so many house plants. Right. Because uh, I watched my mother use dinner plates and antique yeah. plates forever as saucers, which are great, but a lot of people don't have the access of that sitting around their mm-hmm. kitchen. So I've ordered almost every possible type of saucer you can get because I, I want it to look decorated. So and just then, just yeah. remember, though, make sure that thing, if you bring it in indoors, if it's carpet or, or hardwood or whatever, mm-hmm. and you want to protect that flooring, you've got to use the right kind of saucer. Huh. Well, Jim, and remember you just, what you said just reminded me that I could have saved 150 bucks. I got all my grandma, grandma's <laughs> china that's in storage. I could have used all those plates. And she could hear you now. <laughs> yeah. I saw that look on your face. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> I know, because it, it does work out pretty good that way. Um, so, yes, make sure you've got saucers and a protecto mat between on, on some of them, unless they're vinyl. Or we've got the sauce, the container. I put the saucer in the container, put the plant in there. But there again, yeah. but, you know, just make sure when you're watering these things this, this winter, uh, fall, winter, and even early spring before they go back outside, typically if they're going outside, you've, you, you got to have good drainage. You cannot have these house plants sitting in water. Even if you've got a vinyl saucer sitting there and a pot mm-hmm. sitting in the saucer the way you should be doing it and you water, if you've got excessive moisture in that saucer, <laughs> because some of us are really good about overwatering, yeah. okay, when right. we do water, get that excessive moisture out of that saucer. Mm-hmm. You still don't want the pot sitting down in yeah. that water. Right. 
And speaking of water, <clears throat> like one of the plants of peperomia needs to stay uh, <clears throat> slightly moist almost all the time. Well, this uh, girl had come in and her peperomia was just dying, basically. And so what was happening was she was letting it go extremely dry, Keep which it wasn't dry good. Before watering. Right. But when she would water it, she goes, but it just runs out of the pot. Mm-hmm. So, of course, she was watered and it was running down the side of the pot and it never, ever got in the center. The core. Because yeah. it had dried up so much, it just ran yeah. down off right. the top, down the side, and out the bottom. So, basically, if you don't transplant a four-inch pot into um, good potting soil, you almost have to take a pencil or something yes. and poke holes in it so your water will run down in yeah, right. yeah we see that a lot yeah okay one more break we'd love to hear your questions got a few more minutes to get them in 901-260-5926 good morning gardeners welcome back to mid-south gardening would you plant a dogwood in the fall Absolutely, yeah. plant dogwoods in the I fall. I think one of the better times. Yeah, well, no doubt about it. Uh, dogwoods, they you know can be really finicky. Uh, that's one of the plants where you need to dig the hole the right way. You know, just as deep, twice as wide, and you really need to add those amendments because they've got to have good drainage. You know how we always say there are some things that will not tolerate wet feet. Well, we mean it on this one. Dogwoods will not tolerate inadequate drainage or staying way too wet. Uh, but the reason we're bringing this up is I was having a conversation the other day with a customer, and you know there's some all there's there's tons of beautiful dogwoods out there on the market, whether it's the reds, the pinks, or the whites. Now the whites to me are the ones that are the southern tradition, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and it's you know typically the old Floridian that we see that blooms in the spring, and then of course some Cusas that bloom uh, after the foliage comes out. They're all absolutely beautiful. But in particular, there's one called Cloud Nine, and that's the one that this young lady wanted. So I was doing some reading, and I already, you know, I've heard about them forever, but I've never really paid well, any. You've had them in stock, atten- of yeah, course. We right. sell them every year, but I've never really paid any attention yeah. uh, to that one called Cloud Nine. And the reason I love it, if you read about Cloud Nine dogwood, is one is is the size of the bloom. It it, it has a a big pure white beautiful bloom like a foliferous bodacious glamorous white bloom there you go veda <laughs> you know that's why she was writing some articles there at one time jim yes that. yeah mm. now, very she, flowery language yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the size of the bloom guys is absolutely you know what makes this thing spectacular and also, believe it or not, the uh, how do you say spectacular? Yeah, just like I did. And the <laughs> and the dog, this particular dog would also Veda and mm-hmm. Jim uh, is also more disease resistant. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that. Yeah, if I'm ever going to plant a dogwood, that's the only one that I would plant. But I'm telling you right now, if I'm going to plant a dogwood that has a white bloom, that's definitely one that I'm going to take a look at. Yeah, I would consider planting it because it's it blooms earlier than any dogwood I know of. Now, what do you mean? At a younger age, you know, dogwoods are <clears throat> are notorious about not blooming until they get seven to ten years on them sometimes mm-hmm. because they're young, they're growing, they're healthy, they're not stressed, and the only reason a plant lives is to reproduce, and that's when it begins to flower. But it's a lot of times they'll go years before they ever start flowering. But f- this one will bloom when it's three you know, Told, told y'all the first one I saw was many, many years ago at a nursery, and it was three or four feet tall and had a hundred blooms on it already. Wow. It was just spectacular. 
and I couldn't, you know, it had very few side branches yet. It was just mostly on the trunk. Oh so it's, it's really blooms at a very early age and it's, it's one that I would consider. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and it's been around for a long time. It has. Jim. Yes. And, and like I said, I know there's so many on the market now where, you know, Appalachian. And Stella. Yeah. No, that's a. Stellar Pink. Yeah. Stellar Pink. You know, and, and, and then the, just your old Floridian. I, I get all that. And, and they're all absolutely great looking trees, beautiful ornamental type trees. But I was just, uh, I was looking at the blooms last night and reading about this one in particular. I'm like, you know, man, that's a good looking dogwood right there. Not the only one, but yeah. definitely one to take a look at. Kenneth calls them Floridians, which means you think they come from Florida. <laughs> it actually means a flower. Okay. The name is Cornus Florida. <laughs> you Floridians. You Floridian. You. I just love the way he says that. He's so cute. Right. Just like spectacular. But if anybody's going to correct me, <laughs> it ain't be me. <laughs> spectacular. Oh, okay, Lordy. So. so kind of a recap, you know, this time of year, guys, a uh, good time of year to plant. Dogwoods. <laughs> Trees whoa, and shrubs. Oh, wait, we're not done? Okay. No. Yeah, all right, I'm back. And then, of course, getting back, uh, you know, and also start thinking about the bulbs. You know, the, the, even the amaryllis would be coming in really any time oh, now. Yeah. Oh, I've got big amaryllis bulbs. What? I can't wait there to see go. how big that's, the blooms. had some in bloom just as, about a week and a half yeah. ago. And then, in the pa- garden. and then the paper white mm. narcissus is another one that's so easy excited. to get to bloom indoors, yeah. but also the outdoor bulbs, you know, the narcissus, mm-hmm. the daffodils, the crocus, the hyacinths, muscaries on down the line. Um, you know, daffodils, you can go ahead and put in the ground anytime. Yeah. Uh, most of the other bulbs, really, you can plant them anytime, mm-hmm. especially if you put them just a little deeper where the soil temperature is going to stay cool. But if not, go ahead and grab them while the getting's good, put them in the fridge, and wait till around Thanksgiving to put them in the ground. So, you know, one exception would be fritillaria. Put that in the ground mm-hmm. the day you buy them. Uh, they de- hours. They they dehydrate very quickly, and so you do not yeah. want to wait to put to put them in the ground. Oh, good. Okay, so True. what about? Remember, um, I was talking about the amaryllis that I'd got for forcing, but it was an orange one. It did its thing, <clears> and the. So I planted it in a flower pot. Well, I just pulled it out, bigger bulb than ever, and I just took it out this week. So what do you think the odds are if I let it die down and then replant it indoors? You got everything to gain and nothing to lose. It's going to be an experiment, but... Yeah, give it some bottom heat, uh, you know, put, put it in... What color is it? Orange. It's that plant La Passe. It, yeah, planet 15th of November, mm-hmm. no later than about Thanksgiving. And you yeah. might not get it for Christmas, but so what? I think you'd be well, pretty close. Yeah, I'm one, I think I want mine for January. Okay. So then I might be I might yeah. be able to do it. Put a heating pad under it or put it on top of the refrigerator where we have warm air coming over the top and mm-hmm. you know, and it'll it'll bloom per, top of the refrigerator, close. top of the dryer where you get yeah. that under heat. I don't know if I want to give up my heating pad. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to David calling from North Memphis. Good morning, David. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you today? Hey, David. Good morning, buddy. Look, I, I'm glad I caught you. I, I got three quarters of my paper picking up this morning. Uh, so I was glad I talked to you. I, I'm glad I caught you because I heard you talking about think stumps. And I got a stump problem, but an uh, issue. But um, before I get to that, I want to just say that I used to love ants. I don't anymore. Um <laughs> And I'm going to tell you. Did she cut you out of the will? Right, right. I was going to say, I I hope you at least respect your uncles. (laughs) Right. 
all well, that. I forgot about. Uh, well, I forgot about that, um, <laughs> Jeff. Maybe I should wait. <laughs> but I'm like but, you, David. But, I have I have no love for ants either at all. Well, I, I've been lucky enough not to get stung the last two years, mm-hmm. and I can tell you this, guys. I don't know about anybody else. But any kind of ant bites me and stings, mm. I, I blow up yeah. to that particular area. But the best cure mm-hmm. for it, for me, even the stuff you get from is better than the store, is baking soda and water as a paste and put it on there, yeah. and that stops the itching. Yeah. So anyway, for anybody else that's out there, because I've tried everything from Walmart and all that, and the itching was just mm. r- ridiculous. Yeah. Ooh, that tea stop. tree oil. You should try tea tree, tea tree oil. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I, oh, okay, that works too. Yeah, okay. that yeah. works too. Okay, I'm going to try that next year. You'll smell good, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And that's always a benefit for me. Right. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Um, okay. I cut a, my, 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 my investment property. There was a, now I don't know the difference between a tree stump and a, and a vine stump. All, All right. I know is this stuff was hard to get rid of. Yeah. And so I used the saw, used a hand saw because I didn't have any electricity mm-hmm. and um, got most of it. Finally, I had to get some some wire cutters uh, to, 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 because it grew into the fence. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think it would be a problem with these folks because not the investment property, but the neighbors because I did some tr- some free fence work for them. Right. But I did ask after I did it. But in any case, I digress. So now I'm, I'm left with about a half a foot um Mm-hmm. Um, and and at first, can you tell me is this a tree stump? Because it or, or a vine stump is it's, it's about three inches diameter, right? Yeah. What would that be? What what is that? Well, it could be it could be either mm-hmm. one. Now, of course, there are vines out there that have trunks that are three inches in diameter. Not a problem. So it definitely could be a vine stump. Also, David, I would say most likely though a tree. You know. You, wow. If it were a vine, it would have covered, you know, 50 feet or so of that fence and to have a trunk yeah, that big. Yeah. yeah. And you just don't normally yeah. see that. But you do see a lot of tree tree uh, seedlings come up in there, and they'll do just that. You know, they'll grow right around a wire. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, um, so my question now is, I don't want to see this anymore. Yeah. So I want to make sure it's dead. Are you dead? Yes, I'm dead. I want to ask because we're dead. So what do I do? What what can I buy, Jim, or or, or uh, to, in order to, to kill this thing dead? Yeah, I'm, I'm even open to chemicals today. There you go. There you go. Kill this thing dead. Yeah. Well, I mean, double dead. Make a fresh cut and paint it with a brush killer, or make a fresh cut and drill some holes down in there, or a hole in there if you can, and still use a brush killer, but use that brush killer undiluted. Uh, and it might take more than one application, David, to really kill that. Uh, that extensive root system that might be underground, but regardless, a brush killer, Jim, you agree, is still yeah, going to be absolutely. the best product to use. Yeah. Okay. Now, now you guys are saying that a fresh cut. I just I cut it about a couple of weeks ago. No, take, well, before take you a drill okay. and drill some holes in it. Okay. Because the more yeah. the more product that you can get into that and Dave uh, into that stump, if you will, into that little sprout stump. The more product you get in there, the better off you're going to be, and the faster it's going to kill that whole root system. But a brush killer is what you need, buddy. Yeah, it would have cankered over within probably a day with sap. 
so that even painting it the next day, you probably wouldn't do a very good job. All right. Thanks, David, for giving us a call. You've always got great questions. We've got to run here, buddy. Yeah, it's time to run into the garden. Yeah. Time to run out and work in the garden today and all week. And also get your gardening questions for next week. And if you have them, post them on the Facebook But also, David, with those ants, there's a product called Bifenthrin that does a really good job in killing ants. All right, we'll be back next weekend. We'll see you in the garden. Thank y'all.